Welcome to episode 15 of Down and Nerdy, where unlike Firefly, we actually made it to 15 episodes. Aw, <laughs> dude, that's yeah. just... I know it's wrong, but uh, hey, I've been ham- I've been trying to get rid of Castle forever, so why not make jokes, right? right why not? But we it, laugh it, at our pain. But, but it's it's just a pain where it's just, you sit in a corner and you just I want to go cry. I just want to hit stop on the recording and just go cry. Yeah, you go rock. You go rock back and forth, and then and then we'll get back to this later. Yeah, I'm James with him alongside Nick Battaglia, and I do want to give a uh, speedy recovery to Harrison Ford. We find out breaking news: he got injured on the set of Star Wars Episode Seven. Pretty bad ankle injury. He had to be airlifted to the hospital, for God's sake. I guess maybe he tripped over his walker and it just... I, yeah, it's probably... It's, that's probably uh, what happened. Yeah, I put tennis balls in your walker. And you know, people. it's it's hard for the for the Millennium Falcon to get up to light speed, and now it is for Harrison, too. So hopefully he gets well soon and uh, gets back to shooting here pretty quick. Yeah, but I mean, you know, overall, last week's episode, we had Mike Federelli on the head of Tidewater Comic Con. We announced that we were going to be have our own table at Tidewater Comic Con. Really big episode, you know, a lot of people liked it, and it was just, you know, like I said, it's one of something that we like to do every so often, bring in a guest and stuff like that, and it's really, really nice. It was really actually one, I think, one of our best episodes last week. Oh, definitely, and it was just so great to talk to him and get some behind-the-scenes stuff, and I mean, I think it also gave people an, a, a good idea of the kind of guy he is, too, because, I mean, you, you saw him at the con if you went to the last one. And you saw you kind of see him around town every now and then. Maybe you've seen him at your local shop. But, I mean, I think it gave people a really good indication that this guy's not just the head of a con. I mean, he's a huge fan, and he knows his stuff. This is the kind of guy you want running a con. Well, not just that, but you know that putting a con together, it's a pain in the ass. Oh, Because yeah. it's just oh. like, it's not like, okay, give this guy, this guy, this guy. It's like, no, I have to, like, bid, like an eBay mm-hmm. bid for this person. And... I missed out on this person, or hey, I got this person, but I can't say anything because right. if I do, then I'll lose the deposit I put on this, so, on his, his or her appearance. So basically, we don't want you going to the Tidewater Comic Con Facebook page and saying, hey, how come Peter Dinklage isn't coming to Tidewater Comic Con this year? Yeah. Yeah. Come on, people. I mean, you got to be realistic here. We're gro- We're growing. Tidewater Comic Con's growing every day. They've got some amazing guests. I mean, you just saw another they just, guest. They just coming. made a major announcement today. Sam Ellis from Archer, he was a lead character designer mm-hmm. from Archer. He's going to be there, so I'm very excited. Um, if you're I'm, not familiar with Archer, it's on Netflix. Oh, I'm, I'm a way, huge so. Archer fan, dude. I mean, I, I, I'm just like, get the next season on there quick because it's so funny. It's, 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 what did I say? It's like if. Um, James Bond and Maxwell Smart had a baby, mm. and it's was animated and just had a drinking problem. <laughs> <laughs> then that's Archer in a nutshell. It's just cool because, and and we know we don't know you know who's going to be near us table wise yeah. and stuff. I mean, he could be right next to us. The guys from MST3K could be right next well, to us. Well, I mean, we're going to be right next to Bob. We know that for oh, sure. Oh, that we definitely know. Ty- we want to be right there. Game. We want to be right there with Bob because Bob, uh, this is where it's at last year yeah. at Bob's table, let me well, tell you. Well, yeah, and um, I mean, we Bob talked about where he wants, where he's probably going to be or where we're probably going to be, which is going to be, I'm not going to say it now because I don't want to spill anything. Right, right. But it's... From, if everything's correct, it's a sweet location. It's a great spot. You'll be able to. You'll definitely be able to spot us. Let me yeah. put it that way. You will <laughs> definitely know where we are. But well, you know, once we get closer to the con, we'll give you more information on where we're going to be, what we're going to be doing, stuff like that. Well, I mean, it won't be hard to spot us either because we're going to be in cosplay. That's too. right. That's and right. For people who are, I've actually had some people asking like, "Hey, how's that Ryu training going?" Well, James is here, and he's like. 
holy shit, you've gotten bigger in yep. the past two weeks. Definitely, it's it's definitely working, and I'm I'm still training by you know posing and you know working on my lines in the mirror, and there's you know that that's my training, and I, I don't know. Sam Dude, you should ladder. go out. You should go out and just like practice with like a bow and arrow. Archery, yes. Archery, like no, get, okay. get, like, get like a little sucky cups and like. Bow and arrow your dogs with I'm them. I'm doing that. Well, I wouldn't shoot the dogs, but I would make them go get the arrows and bring them back to me. <laughs> but I could do that. Moving targets, though, dude. You got that's how you get. That's how we get so good. Yeah, those moving targets. They would catch him in midair. Not even lying. They would. My dogs would definitely catch him in midair and make a game out of it. My dog Chase has a wiffle ball bat around. Was that rugby or is that yeah. Zinga? Rugby Chase has the wiffle ball bat around in the backyard. I throw it for him, and that's his favorite toy. <laughs> I can't explain well, it. Well, I think it's his favorite toy. We won't really it's his favorite it. outdoor toy. Okay, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just leave it at that. A little inside joke we'll there, We'll leave folks. it at that. But, no, I mean, it's, it's like I said, we're a little bit over four months. I think it's like four months and mm-hmm. something days until I... Actually, yeah, it's like... They had a countdown, actually. It's almost exactly four months. Yeah, until Comic-Con. So, I mean, it's like four months and six days. Mm-hmm. And, and it's just... I, it's moving so fast. Like, I can't wait for it to be here. I can't wait for it to get here. I can't wait for my fucking training to be done and over with. <laughs> it's kicking my ass. But, I mean, it's it's overall a uh, very, very exciting moment. I mean, again, when we first started this podcast, we didn't think that we would be here at this moment. We were like, okay, we had some, we maybe had like a few listeners and stuff like that, but it's like, no. You know, we, you know, oh no, they, we're going to be at Comic-Con. We have over 150 listener likes on Facebook. And if you go on our SoundCloud, you do see, okay, 20 listens here, 50 listens here. Here's the thing, though. Yeah, some shows might only have like 20 listens or whatever, but that doesn't mean that people aren't gathered in a room and exactly. listening to us. And we've actually had people tell us, like, you know, we're not just, it's not just me. I'm listening to this with my buddies. You know, we're gaming, we've got the podcast on. Or people, some people are listening to this in their car. You know, yeah. you hook up the phone to your car and you're listening to it. Windows rolled down. You know, summer day, you've got your wind blowing through your hair and you got down and nerdy in the car. In fact, in fact, I went to get lunch before we recorded the show just now. And uh, the guy, I went to the sandwich shop and this guy, and the guy there, I go all the time, I'm a regular. And he goes, oh, you went to regular? The usual? I'm like, yeah, sure, why not? And so he's like, can I have a question? I go, what? He goes, are you a, a DC fan? And I'm like, we've never really had these conversations. Uh-huh. But basically, I come in with my Batman shirt, and I come in with my Turtle shirt, whatever. I say, are you a DC fan? I'm like, yeah, sh- yeah, I am, definitely. Like, I, love, I love all comics. And we start just talking. He goes, Have you, do you watch Arrow? I'm like, do I watch Arrow? Uh-huh. And we started talking about five, ten minutes about Arrow, and then I hand him a business card, and he's like, dude, I'm definitely going to check this out. I actually was at Bob's yesterday at Fantasy Escape Comics and Cards picking up my uh, weekly polls, and there was a guy in there, and... Was talking to him for a couple minutes, handing him one of our cards, and apparently, every time somebody walks into the shop, Bob tells them about the podcast. <laughs> so we really appreciate that, and you know, tell your friends too if you really like what you hear. You know, we're just going to keep getting better and better as we grow. It's kind of like Tidewater Comic Con, yeah. right? Where the more you guys help us spread the word, and the more you know, and the, I guess the big, I guess bigger. Is the only thing I, way I can think to describe it. Yeah. The more the the more we get more listens, the more the show grows. The more we'll have even bigger guests on the show not, and and on location stuff like that. Not only that, but like if we get big enough and we're not, we can do giveaways. We can do yeah. you know fans fan yeah, stuff. You know, submit your. I mean, we already do that now. With people submitting their arts and stuff to the dead to us. But I mean, like, hey, here's you know an art thing. Well. You know, here's a character that we want you to draw. Draw it, and the winner, you know, 
gets you know uh, gives yeah. a ticket to like a local comic book shop. Yeah, exactly. Like so I mean, there's plenty of ideas that we have that that we want to that we want to execute. But it's going you know we're it's still going to need your help. We're still going to need your help spreading the word. I mean, I said it last week that we were we're actually heard on four continents. I was wrong. We're heard on five different continents. Thank you, Asia, which is <laughs> unbelievable. You know what's funny? I real I found this out the other day. We actually have a large following in Spain. Yeah, <laughs> which is weird because the show's not in Spanish. Are you translating the show? I guess that's what we need to know. I guess. I, I guess. I mean, Are there transcripts of Down and Nerdy that I don't know? Maybe about? Maybe they're like you know. I, I, I don't think so. I mean, or maybe somebody sent me a translator. Or Are you just holding your phone up with Google Translate? Probably that's probably what it is. <laughs> But I mean, you know, let us know if you're in another country or just what I'd like to do at some point is do like a "Where are you listening to us?" kind yeah. of post, where you just let us know where you're at. Because not only that, I mean, we've got our guy Bob at Fantasy Escape Comics and Cards here in the Virginia Beach area. Right. What I'd like to do is, you know, we want to get your local shops involved where you are too. I know we've got listeners in Arizona and uh, all over the West Coast as well. I would like to get your local shop involved as well so we can, you know, help them out. We don't just want to help out our own here in Virginia Beach. We want to help out your local shop too. So post, let us know where you're listening from because we want to help out your local shop too and tell them about us. Maybe we can even, you know, Skype you in and we do a show yeah. live from your comic book store. We're just not local people. We're just not local people. Speaking of local comics, come up next is going to be what we're, re- what we're reading. You don't want to miss that. James and I have two new different books that we're reading this week and we're going to review for you and let's just say you won't want to miss it because it's going to be kind of interesting to talk about well then again what what are, isn't what isn't interesting to talk about in the show coming up next here on Down Nerdy well even a DC guy needs to jump across the aisle every now and then we're going to talk about what we're reading and I actually decided to go the Marvel route this wait time. so you're a DC guy so we're 15 episodes deep and for the second time, you decided to reach across the aisle and review something not DC. Well, I did. I've done. Uh, I've done Marvel before. I did Superior Spider. You've done before. shitty Marvel. And uh, well, there's a lot of that, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. See, even you, as more of a Marvel guy, have to admit, comics-wise, that's got a lot of the stuff going on. And I did T- Tomb Raider too. So, and I yeah. will revisit that at some point. But I decided to go with because you know we've got the Death of Wolverine coming up. I decided to go with the uh, first issue of the Three Months to Die that uh, Marvel's starting leading up to the uh, the death of Wolverine. Right. And uh, it's written by Peter Cornell, art by uh, Chris Anka, and the cover art, which was kind of, I, I'm going to say interesting by Steve McNiven and Laura Martin. And the reason I say interesting is, if you look at the cover for Wolverine, it's Wolverine number eight, it's just his wrist and his arm and the claws, but... It took two people to do that? That's what I don't understand. Well, I don't know. But here's the thing, though. Interesting about that cover. As the issues are progressing, each one of those claws is going to be breaking off. Right. That's true. So that's... and that's, Which I think is cool. I'm not really cool. I'm it, not saying it's not cool. I'm it, just saying, really? It took two people to draw this? I guess. But, I mean, you know, you speak... Like, now, this is like eight issues in, and I was at... I went to see Bob today pick up my, my poll, and I'm like, oh, I thought I saw Three Months to Live, and he's like, do you want to start with that? You know, I'm like, well, I go, it's eight issues in. For me, it's too far. Yeah. I think if... Like, once it's after... 
three, I think, issues. I'm like, I can't. I'll wait for Death of Wolverine. I, I will say that jumping into it on issue eight, I was a little lost at first, but they actually did a pretty good job at the very beginning of the issue, kind of because I'm sure they figured people were going to jump in with this with this arc coming up. So basically, um, Wolverine's left the X-Men because he's, he, of course, he doesn't have his healing factor anymore. He's going undercover with S.H.I.E.L.D. against a crime agency run by a guy called The Offer. I don't know why they call him the offer. Is he like I missed that pe- part? Is he like getting people off? No, he's. It's or? very weird. He's just this random. It's very guy. sexual that name. It's, by the way, it's, it's very very well, sexual. Well, depending on your angle that you're looking at it from, I suppose it could be. I, uh, I, I have a horrible mind. He, he's not a very. I could tell you he's not a sexual guy. But uh, <laughs> he's uh, he's actually uh, one of his minions. I guess you could call him as a as a woman named Pinch. That Wolverine actually develops. Really? Well, here's where it gets funny: is that Wolverine develops a relationship with this yeah. with this woman. Let me just take some time. You have a guy named the Offer, and his sidekick is the Pinch. <laughs> this it's, is fucking hilarious because it's like, I, I, it's, I you're try, It's like, wow. I man. don't know if they did that on purpose or not. Oh, you know they did but, that tongue in cheek. Um, but basically, to kind of fast forward into. Present the present issue, uh, she finds out that Wolverine is this double agent for Shield, but she doesn't really turn him in. Mm. Here's the th- that's the thing because Sabretooth is coming to get this spear sphere weapon that they that the offer wants, and Sabretooth ends up making off with this spear because Wolverine hesitates. Right. Instead of trying to go after him like he would, you know, all out, he hesitates, and that's kind of what the whole issue ends up being about. And what's funny is right at the beginning of the issue, Iron Fist and Shang-Chi, who's the kung fu guy, if you're not familiar with him, they actually show up to help Wolverine. Right. Which I thought was an interesting way to just start the issue. And they kind of are getting into his... He's starting to fear death for the first time. Right. And they take him to this... uh, And they take him to this island, which the the name escapes me at, at the moment, but it's basically an island where death is forbidden. Okay. It can happen... But it's not supposed to happen. It's frowned upon, I guess, which I thought was kind of weird. Because you say, okay, so nobody can die here. Oh, yeah, they can, but it's frowned upon. So you're on one side, you're on the island with Wolverine. On the other side, you're in, I guess, what Sabretooth's lair. They didn't really explain where they were. But they, the but Pinch is captured. They've got her daughter, so they're kind of holding that over her head to try and get this spear, sphere, which only she knows how to use. So the offer actually comes to get pinched and try to make a deal with Sabretooth. Uh-huh. But it's weird that he just kind of shows up. And is he really a bad guy? Is he not? Because clearly he cares about his his uh, right-hand woman, I guess you could call her, and her daughter. So he's really trying to bargain to get them out. So that's why they call him the offer. Is that, is that like he has no superpowers at all? His he's only, got an offer. All he does is just offer you random shit. So like, he's he's the godfather. He makes you offers you can't refuse, I guess. Well, you can because they're probably, I mean, with a name like that, they're probably horrible offers. Well, the thing is, is that once push comes to shove and he gets behind the, he finds out basically the pinch is the only one that knows how to run the sphere. And he kind of sells her out to Sabretooth behind closed doors to save his own rear end so he doesn't get killed by Sabretooth. No. So he offers up, no pun intended, he offers up her and her daughter to save his own skin with Sabretooth. And he also says, hey, by the way, I put a tracking device in Wolverine's. If you want to know where he is and go kill him, you be my guest. So Sabretooth actually sends ninjas to kill Wolverine on this island where death is forbidden. Does it mention where the 
the ninjas come from? No! It, that was the other thing. It's that's just, like, apparently, like, Sabretooth has ninjas at his beck and call that he can just send to people. I, but here's the, here's the part that got me the most with this issue. They, uh, Logan goes to see, well, I guess they call her the Mistress of Death. Okay. On this island. And it's this tiny little Chinese person. And it's a woman that, that sounds British, apparently, according <laughs> to, to Logan. And... It's very quirky and weird and eccentric and basically telling Wolverine you're a child because children learn to fear death immediately and you're just now feeling it. So you're just like a child. And she keeps saying that, you know, I win, I win. And I'm like, what do you win? What is this? What do you mean? And she tells Wolverine to follow her. And he's like, why would I follow you? And she says, well, if you don't follow me. You won't learn anything. And he sh- and she shows him all these skulls of people that have been in his life in the past that have died. Like he showed him the skull. She showed him the skull of his first love that died. See, this right here. And it's just, it was, the whole thing was just really bizarre. It sounds just from what you're telling me really confusing because at first it's kind of like she's insulting him and then he's like, you're like, oh, I win, I win. It's like, well, what do you win? Do you win? What? Or, or, or I got to teach you things. Right. And I'm like, I'm getting a Miyagi it was, sense it wasn't where it's like you're going to be waxing a car, and then when a big battle comes, you're going to learn how to, why waxing a car is important in your except, karate training. Except Miyagi wasn't a lunatic. No. He was, the, and that's the impression he was you badass. get. Like, she kind of She kind of says stuff like, you always figure things out too late. Right. And okay, well that's fair because he hasn't figured out that he needs to fear death. But you know, and and I'm I'm really hoping that in the next issue they get to what the main friggin' point of this mistress of death thing is because I wasn't confused because I jumped in the middle of an arc because I'm like, okay, I know these, I, I pretty much know what the who the characters are. Right. They give you a nice little backstory and what's going on here. Wolverine now has feelings for this this pinch character and her daughter. And everything, and there's this little boy. They call him little boy, but he's like a teenager, and he's got some inside information on this sphere. And it was all kind of bizarre, and I, I, I wasn't confused because I didn't know who the characters were. I was confused because I'm looking at this. I'm like, what? What's going on? Well, I think because you, you say the interest is a little boy, and it's just this and that and that. It seems like they have a web, and they're pulling it in different directions, and it's like they're not. You know, what I'm saying they're not spending too much time in a certain directions. Like, right. I mean, it's like it's kind of like. A laser pen and a cat. Yeah. Like, look over here. Now look over here. Now look over here. Now read this. And what was funny is is that they kept jumping back and forth from, you know, Sabretooth's lair to this island uh, the where death is forbidden. Right. But it didn't make me... You know how when you're watching Arrow and they're on the island and you're like, wait a minute, we were just in the middle of a really cool thing. Get me back there. I don't yeah. care about what's going on, on the island. Yeah. I mean, sometimes it's important and you want to see it, but other times it's like, oh, we just saw Deathstroke. Go back. So yeah. that's I didn't get that feeling reading this issue though. I, when when they were in Sabretooth's lair, I wasn't going, "Oh, let's go back to the the island with Wolverine." And when we were on the island with Wolverine, I wasn't like, "Oh, let's go back to Sabretooth and see what's going on there." They didn't make me care about one place or the other. That was the problem. The art, it was good. I would say it was probably on par with what they're doing with Amazing Spider-Man right now. I flipped through it when I was looking through, you know, I was flipping through it and stuff like that. So if I wanted to get it, I'm like, yeah, it's average. It was good. I mean, it was better in parts than it was overall. There were sections of the art that were good, but overall it was just kind of okay. I mean, the one thing that they did accomplish with the writing was they definitely accomplished Logan feeling 
conflicted and very out of his comfort zone with having to fear death for the first time. So they definitely accomplished that. But I think the key is going to be to find out what's going to happen in this issue. Because the ninjas actually show up right at the end of the issue and right. Iron Fist and, um, and uh, Shang-Chi see them and they're getting ready to fight the ninjas. So that's where it's going to kick off in issue 9. The key is going to be how they explain this whole Mistress of Death thing and where it's going and how this whole attack works out as to whether or not this is even going to be an interesting arc at this point. Because the start, to me, was just very bizarre. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it just... I hope, for your sake, like I said, I'm not going to pick this up because it's just... There are too many issues in, and from what it looks like, you're experiencing the same problem I had with Captain Marvel, Mm -hmm. where we entered in on that wrong time where like where it wasn't a lot of action it was more dialogue centric so it's kind of like I would for you I'd give it some more issues of course because I said it's, I'm definitely going to give it at least one more issue but you know, I mean it, and it wasn't even like well I mean when you open up Captain Marvel there were all these characters and even as a huge Marvel fan you're like I don't even know half these oh yeah people. it's like wait a minute these are, like, there's a whole hangar full of Avengers I'm like wait this person's who is this person? Who is that? Is the you know? I, they don't say. Right. It's just like the artist printer said. We got to fill a room. Let me put in all these Marvel characters and name them right. Avengers. And I knew who these characters were because they explained them pretty well. But it wasn't even that I was lost characterized. I was lost story wise. So you know, what? if I'm missing something, if there was some big picture thing I didn't see, some context I might have missed, post it facebook.com slash down and nerdy and let me know. So I'll, I'll go back and read the issue. Once you might have seen something I did to see if I see it now, but it was I was confused at the end. Yeah, it's. And I'm a pretty smart guy, so are you. So it's not like yeah. I'd be lost in context. And there were, was context there that I got the fact that you know he's conflicted and, and fears right. death out of his comfort zone. That I got. It was just the rest of it was like, what's going on? This mistress of death thing is just too weird for me. I don't know. I mean. It, it seems like you're trying to discover this new arc and just see like where they discover where they're going. And speaking of discovering things, people going to strange places. Now, this comic I picked up last week, and it was actually on a uh, uh, an opinion that Mike Federale gave us last week, and it was The Wake. Yeah, it sounded really and cool. It sounded amazing. Only problem is, it's slow. It's really, really slow. Uh. I felt the same way about Wolverine. Now, The Wake is published by Vertigo Comics, and it's written by Scott Snyder. The art's done by Sean Murphy. 32 pages overall, so it's a nice size comic. Right. Problem, though, is that it's a... I mean, I, don't, I love black and white movies. Mm-hmm. I love you know the old Universal Monster movies, my favorites of all the horror movies and stuff. And as a comic, all the arts, it's all black and white. Right. And while the art is very, very detailed and like wow factor... When I was reading it, this is a problem with it, is that when you're reading the panels, it's hard to follow because I'm like, I'm so used to going left to right. On one page, I'm going left to right, down, you know, up to down. Well, the way that the wake is put together, it's left to right all the way to the top, left to right all the way in the middle, uh, left so to right goes, all the way in the bottom. So it goes from left page all the way to right page. Yeah. And then you go down from And I was reading it, and it was tough for me to read because it was like, okay. Was that through the whole issue? or Yeah, the entire issue. Because I know that some of the DC books, they'll do that on a couple pages where it's where you've got to go across no, it's, like that. It's, it's pretty much the entire issue. Wow. And it's just like, I'm looking, I'm going left to right, and I'm like, okay, I'm reading this. I'm like, wait a minute, this doesn't make sense for what you just said. And I'm like, oh, okay, I probably skipped a couple panels. I got to go back. 
It's like, you know, when you're counting something, you lose track, and you're like, I gotta go all the way back to the beginning now, reread it in, in order. And that's what I had to do. And it's it was fr- getting it was very frustrating. Now, I got the wake, it's, you know, as Mike said last week, it's pretty much about this marine biologist named Lee Archer who was approached by Homeland Security. And they say, hey, we've found something. Here's this, like, screech where I listen to it. Right. And she's like, well, I deal with dolphins and whales. I'm not really into this. And they go, and they go, I don't know what it is. And so she listens to it. And she, long story short, she's pretty much strong-armed into helping Homeland Security out um, and find out what this thing is. <clears throat> and so they go underwater, like into deep into the abyss. Is this, like, underwater secret base camp pretty much Jules Verne would be proud yeah and and so would James Cameron mm-hmm. and um, she is going through an entire issue is pretty much like the first act of a movie like if you watch the thing okay and the first couple of acts or whatever is the guy's hey I'm this guy I'm this guy that's right. exactly what the first issue is so it's almost like a pilot episode of a TV show it was it read like a zero issue okay it read okay. like a very like a, it read like a like an introductory Thing it was very interesting. I'm not gonna say it was a bad comic, but it was just there were certain points where I'm just like, okay, speed along. I don't need to know. And it's like it was kind of I think to me a little corny how everybody she was talking to certain people on the boat. She's like, oh wait, you're here. Oh wait, you're here. You're here. It's like and then the first issue. Yeah, like we're supposed to know who these people are. Yeah, and she's like, oh, and 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 it's just like, oh, you're this famous author. I didn't know who you were. It's like, well, why? It's like, oh, you're this guy. And she's like, it's, it's weird because she complains about not having her own team. Yeah, when she gets onto the base camp, she pretty much knows certain people on that team. So it's like, you can't bitch that you don't really have your quote-unquote own team because most of these people you've known or you've heard of before. So what you're saying is that these, oh, you're here kind of characters, there was kind of a lack of a development on who these actual characters are. Yeah, and it's deep, and it's, again, yeah, the way I picked up on number one, and it's it's really well into, like, done. I think it's near done, I think. I think whatever. it is. I think it's actually next, the next issue is the final issue. Yeah, and it, you know, it deals with the whole merman thing, and it's what the thing ends up being, and I'm not spoiling anything because it's like, Literally in the middle of the comic. That's what it, that's what it is. And even for Christ's sakes, even the so speaking on the death of the three months to live, it's the exact same cover, the weight cover. He's grabbing it right now. Just cause you, look at you that. Tell me it does not look like the cover for Wolf for three months to live. It's just the the hand is facing the other direction and it's webbed. But yeah, you're right. It it looks very same very text, similar. same look, very similar. And you even got the director's cut, which I'm seeing at the top, which I didn't know. Yeah. that they even had a director's cut of this. Yeah, and even then, it's like even with the director's cut, it's still. I mean, you know, we're looking at the art right now. I'm opening up right now. It's like well, it's definitely good art. It's good art. I'm, I'm but looking at it, it looks. The art, the fact that it's black and white and it's not a knock against anything. Well, I mean, if if you've uh, if any of our listeners have read uh, any of the Batman black and white issues, yeah. that's it, the art for that is very cool, very different, and uh, for black and white art it is very good. And art. the art is really good art because I mean, if you go if you go in the back, and that's probably why you should get the director's cut because the back has all this great artwork in the back of it, very detailed. It's almost like it's uh, some of its concept it, art. It's too. concept art. Yeah. It's all colorized too, which I'm like, I kind of wish they did because it looks a lot. Better, I think, in color, but I mean, compared to the black and white. Plus, you're you're making so your 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 colorists don't have jobs. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, the only, color, the only color that's in there is like when certain things or screeches. You are could made do that in, in Microsoft Paint 
on any computer, yeah. basically, to color well, I mean, in the lettering. Stenciling and the penciling and everything else, it's nice. It's the very penciling detailed. is very good. I mean, I, I'm not sure who did the penciling for the issue, but, I mean, they clearly did a very good job, especially for it being black and white art. They really made it detailed. And it looks like it's Sean Murphy. Sean Murphy, did, yeah. Well, Sean Murphy had said in the beginning did the, did the art for it. But, I mean... No, it's just, you know, when I read it, and it's just like, I'm this person, I'm this person, and I'm just like, okay, so it's like, it's going to play out, I think, like you're watching the thing, or you're watching a movie, and Mike, I think, even spoiled it last week when he said, oh, and then, new thing, the bad guys win, and I'm like, well, and here's well, the thing, too, if, let me ask you this, since you only got the the, the one issue, I right. know that there's a trade, I'm actually trying to get the trade uh, paperback, right. For the series to, to start to start it myself, if you had the trade where it was the first five issues, right? Would you have wanted to keep going? Well, yeah, because I spent fifteen dollars on a trade and I want to go read the whole thing. How far would you have gotten into it if it continued on the line that it was before you just shut it and said, you know what, forget it? That's hard to say because, like I said, I don't know how much of it is based in introduction. I don't know, you know, what I'm saying. I mean, because you have to do that. Well, yeah, because it's a new, it's a completely new storyline. But, but I mean, you need to have your, you need to execute the character development better before you give these shocking. Oh, you're on the boat, kind of thing. I think the way that this should have been written is that the first issue should have been zero issue, because then, or maybe there should have been a zero issue. That, well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Is that it, like I said, it reads like a zero issue, and it's exactly what it should be. At least when Marvel did Original Sin, they gave you a zero issue. If you didn't know who the Watcher was, yeah, here's and who he is. Here's who he is, and here's what he does. So even though I haven't been a fan of Original Sin recently, at least they um, did that for me. By the way, Original Sin, the last uh, panel of the of this past issue. Oh my god! Yeah, it definitely redeemed itself. It redeemed itself. No question it, it about it. It pulled the Hulk and it redeemed itself. But I mean, that's my take on the wake. I mean, like I said, the cons, like, like it's the pros, good penciling, great artwork, story. It's like as if it's kind of like you're reading the thing kind of a thing. Kind of a, of a, no, a thing a, kind of a thing. A thing kind of a thing. <laughs> um, but it, it's, uh, no, it, it's really interesting take. I would probably, I'm probably going to go buy the trade. Um, or I might just go and buy the regular comics because it's kind of like, hey, I got this. Well, you could do it that one. way too, yeah. yeah. I can get this number one and then whatever, but I think I'm going to probably go out and get the, get the trade mm-hmm. um, and get it. And it's, it's just one of those things where, like I said, I start off slow, but I'm hoping that it picks up fast. Right. And it just picks up. And the way that the Merman is actually drawn, it's actually pretty, pretty interesting. Um, like I said, have you seen Cabin in the Woods and the end of the scene where the Merman pretty much kills one of the creators of the game of the quote-unquote game um that's what it pretty much looks like so it's not really spoiling anything like what does it look like if you've seen cabin in the woods you've seen what the merman's gonna look like and like mike says like it, it it doesn't you see it but you don't really know what it is mm-hmm. i mean you can tell it's a merman but i mean you know if you're a character in the book you don't know what it is kind of thing and it doesn't it's in a like a tube like a watery tube kind of like victor freeze's wife i got you and that's what it's, it's in. It's like a straight jackety kind of thing. So it's like there's no, no mention of its like psychological powers it has or whatever. But overall, that's my take on the wake. I'm gonna go pick up a trade. I insist you do that as well. But what I do insist though first is get the director's cut, read that, look through the art, then make a decision get in the trade or not. It's one of those things where okay, I've read it. It's kind of got my attention. I want to see where it goes. I know where it goes because like I said, Mike talked a lot more about it in depth last week. 
Um, but that's something that I think you, you, you should definitely pick this up. Speaking of games, we're going to be talking about the new Mortal Kombat trailer coming up next. And, of course, don't forget, our main topic going to be the big review of E3, and that's going to be coming up on Down and Nerdy. So, James, let me ask you a question here. All right. All right. You get mad sometimes, right? Oh, definitely. Do you ever get mad to the point where you want to throw an ice ball at somebody and rip their spine out through their back? Absolutely. Well, you know you can do that now, right, with Mortal Kombat, but what we can do that now in the future is with Mortal Kombat X or oh, Mortal Kombat 10, which is coming out. And my God, <laughs> the cinematic trailer for that, even with the gameplay trailer that was featured at, for Sony at E3, mm-hmm. Phenomenal. Even the for the first trailer that debuted, I think it was a couple weeks before E3. It was one of, the, and this doesn't happen a lot with video games for me. And I'll be honest, I don't watch video game trailers, and I don't get blown away. But when I saw this trailer, I just not only did it take me back to my younger days of playing the first Mortal Kombat, it made me, and in my brain, I did this side by side. My God, look how far we've come. Yeah, and it's just like they when I saw it. And the trailer is just like, you know, stuff freezing over with Sub-Zero and he's standing there. And it brought back a lot of great things that I love from the older Mortal Kombat. For example, Mortal Kombat 4, you can grab things and throw them. And that's what the gameplay trailer showed. Showed Sub-Zero backing up, you know, doing a nice clone himself and whipping it at Scorpion. Which was amazing. And... You can use environments. I was using the following the Injustice mold. Right, which I loved that they did in Injustice. And I think they fine-tuned it for Mortal Kombat X to make it even a little bit more realistic than in Injustice. Of course, this being for a next-gen console, it's easier to do that. And notice how in the in the game, when Sub-Zero and Scorpion are fighting each other, it's just so fluid. It's very fluid. Now, people are like, oh, well, that could be for a trailer. Well, here's the thing. It shows that Mortal Kombat is probably more of a free-flowing system that you can have, like, in Killer Instinct. You have the combo breaker right. kind of thing. So, whereas in the older Mortal Kombat, if you're getting the crab kicked out of you, you're, until the guy's combo's pretty much done, yeah. or you can duck and uppercut them, yeah. you're pretty much screwed. Exactly. But, I mean, this was just a phenomenal trailer because, it's like, we got a couple new characters we've seen. Mm-hmm. Um, they showed some of the extra, the extra new X-ray moves. I will say that... For me, one of the things that jumped out at me, and this is weird, but this is just kind of the things I look at, was the environment yes. that you're fighting in. Just the one in the initial trailer alone where it's dark, and they're in the woods, and I think it was, there was snow on the ground. snow on the ground. So, I mean, it was just a very cool, and it just looked creepy, but in a cool way. And then there was another one that you mentioned, the gameplay trailer, where was it this, like, rickety dock with this yeah. eerie, like, yellowish water. It was crazy. And the way the water is crashing, yeah. it's like, it's really realistic. And even the deck was kind of moving yeah. in parts, and, and you had things that were flying by that you could grab and just hit people with. Yeah, and it's it's amazing, because you look at this trailer, and it's had the gameplay, I love Mortal Kombat since this first came out. And, I mean, Sub-Zero is my all-time favorite Mortal Kombat character, because, I mean, this is the guy who was responsible for creating the ESRB rating. Yep, that's <laughs> that's right. His spinal rip is the reason why we have the ESRB. But, I mean, when you see Scorpion, and it's like, okay, you can use the environment, not just, like, grab a tree limb and swing from him, but you can, like, take some, like, swim, shoot Sub-Zero with his spikes, and or spears, and throw him over a tree branch and yep. into the ground, yep. and his mask comes off, mm-hmm. and we saw, must have seen probably some, one of these one Scorpion's fatalities, and he just throws the, the spear at Sub-Zero's head. And it attaches to the tree, But you know what that way. shows me, though? Since we had, because like, I know, like, in Injustice, you had the thing where you kind of, like, interfere or interact with your mm-hmm. surrounding, um... 
it's one of it's it brings back the whole environmental fatalities like with a spike pit and everything like that. Yep. Maybe when you're in that dark forest, you can have a thing to where if you're a scorpion or whoever, you can kick off somebody's head or rip mm-hmm. off somebody's head and throw it against a tree. And, and I want to knock a tree over onto. Something. That's what scorpion yeah. did. Yeah. It was in the trailer. Something like threw scorpion into a tree and he mm-hmm. broke the tree in half. I mean, it's going to be a full-fledged... This is why it's going to be mostly... I think they haven't, I don't think they've announced it. It's going to be just a P- PS4 news. Xbox no, they haven't, exclusive. They haven't spe- specified if it's going to be an exclusive or not yet, but I can imagine they would want to get it on both consoles. No, well, no. I mean, it's going to be on both consoles, but what I'm saying is... It's both, oh, as far as characters as and far, other stuff. Yeah, yeah well, well, yeah. I mean, as, as far as, you know... No, what I'm saying is far as uh, as far as... 360 and PS3. As far as current gen and last gen, I wonder if they're going to do that or not. Uh, well, considering it's coming out in 2015, I think that might be the cutoff point when they decide to say yeah. forget PS3, forget Xbox 360. But we'll talk more about that when we uh, when we get into E3. But like you said, we did have some new characters, a couple of new ones anyway. And yeah. It's for, I'll be honest, when I saw one of the new characters and they didn't reveal the names, it's a woman that, and you see bees flying around her, I'm like, Really, she controls bees. That's the thing. But then you see the gameplay footage, and she's got swords and all kinds she's of other wings crazy that fly stuff. Off. She can fly. So I mean, it was very, very cool. And you were talking about the other character. <laughs> yeah, the other character is this big, like, like if you've played Soul Calibur, you know Astaroth. Okay. And he's a big guy with the axe. So picture somebody like that, or maybe the guy that Krang was inside in the old okay, yeah. games. Mm-hmm. And on top of it has this little child, but it's not a child. It's like a minion. It's like a demonic, very demonic, creepy minion. It's like the baby from It's Alive, pretty much. It's like, that's the way I could I could see it. I actually pause like, wow, it, it, it's a very demonic little thing. I mean, I'm it's like, toddler. It's toddler sized. Yeah, but you're right. It's very childlike. Yeah, and my thing is like, dude. When I'm pulling off a fatality, and you know the minion's gonna get killed, it's gonna be like hard because it's gonna be like I'm killing a child. It's gonna be wild. I mean, we don't know exactly how the fatalities are gonna go with that character, and, but and they show also showed um, this guy. One of the other, we showed another character. It was this guy who looks kind of green. A lot of people are thinking he might be Shinnok. But I don't think so. I think if you played the old Mortal Kombat game, I think they're going to keep him with the white face and the, and the kind of Egyptianish garb. Um, but they're saying that that's probably who it might be. We don't know. Um, maybe Descent of the Dragon King is what I'm thinking of. But they show some of the parts of the fatalities in that game. Oh, yeah. And my God. Yeah. You talk about how can we bring this up from 10 to 11. They brought it up to 16. And it was funny 20. because you mentioned the x-ray stuff where you can actually – they actually show you the spine cracking and then like there the was one – The kneecap breaking. Yeah, and there was one like s- the skull slowly crushing. Not just crushing completely, slowly crushing. Yeah. And that that's some amazing stuff. And I think there was one uh, – it was a scorpion fatality. It was either scorpion or sub-zero. Where they basically blow a hole Sub-Zero. in the middle of him, and the heart drops down and is exposed. Oh no, it's Scorpion! And then he throws like his his, his, spear, his at spear at it, it, and you know that's where the trailer ends. That's what, when I said Sub-Zero. I'm like, no, because the way that shows something that Sub-Zero, which is a spine break, but it's yeah. similar. That's why I got confused yeah. because Sub-Zero has this fatality where like, he'll he'll pretty much he'll free shoot like a big beam at your chest, yes, punch it, and your back explodes, and right. your spine's exposed, and he grabs the spine. And just Breaks it yes, in half. Yes. 
And and I'm just like, oh my god! Like, mm-hmm. rarely do you watch. Do I watch certain fights or games. I'm like, ooh, I felt that. Like, my spine. You hurts. feel all these ones. You do. Let me tell you. I mean, there's one where like the the minion and they're hanging the guy, they're holding scorpion up. The minion jumps behind, it's kind of like it's crucifying him, uh-huh. or cutting him in half or uh-huh. whatever. And it's just like, oh, dude, it's 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 gonna be. I'm gonna. Pre-order. I rarely pre-order games. I'm going to pre-order and beat the midnight release for that game. What I want to see is what kind of extras they're going to give you for pre-ordering, and will it be different for different consoles? Well, here's what I think that they do, and we've seen a lot of Mortal Kombat games. They have what's called the Crypt. Um, in Mortal Kombat, I think it was Deadly Alliance, you can go in the Crypt, and you can have, you buy, spend tokens on these opening caskets. Mm-hmm. And in the caskets would have either bonus levels, concept art, other outfits, um, they would have some of them would have even a lot of commentary from like Ed Boon um, about the game or whatnot, and it would be pretty interesting. I think you kind of hit the nail on the head, and it just popped into my head while you were talking. Is the outfits they did that a lot with Injustice? Now think about what they could do here. Take a character like Sub Zero or Scorpion, where you can get the like classic Scorpion outfit because they totally redid Sub Zero and Scorpion. And let me tell you, I'm not usually a fan of redoing major characters like that, but they did a phenomenal job of redesigning those characters. Give me the option of playing those classic Sub-Zero. That would be very cool. But not just that, but if you want to talk about classic Sub-Zero, classic Scorpion, or whatever, why not like the character are like the actual real person character models from the first Mortal Kombat you can play as. Yeah, that would want. be very cool that'd too. That would be interesting. And I mean they they can always do DLCs too where they could bring in different characters from right. the past games like Sonya, Johnny Cage from the well, earlier games the, and stuff like that. They wanted to. Well here's the thing, I mean it's Mortal Kombat ten. So I mean you, you know, they're gonna go all out for it. Because you, you gotta have like the history of oh, stuff yeah. somewhere. Well that's why I think it was Deadly Alliance kinda of, it was Deadly Alliance or Armageddon um had one of those things where you can watch it and it was like, Hey, we just history of all kind of it was like a day it was nice. It, it was it was Deadly Alliance. Um there was a, a, a thing you didn't have to unlock it, but it came with the game where it pre pre opened pretty much. Um and it was like a day in the life of back then it was Midway. And, and Ed Boone and everything like that. And it was like a day in life making Mortal Kombat. And you see the interview guys and like, hey, cool. they're making character yeah. models. And then you see Ed Boone saying, okay, what about this or that? And That's cool. Now it's called, called NetherRealm Studios. But, I mean, it, it was pretty interesting. So I want to see more of that. I loved it when you had games, even sports games, where you had trailers for other games. Like EA, like when you had Madden, like 03 or 04, whatever. You go to EA Sports Extras, and they would have... Um, things where you can unlock, you know, watch trailers like, oh, NBA Live, whatever. And maybe you unlock this content, and this is similar to some of the stuff that Injustice has done as well, that as you're winning battles and as you're um, accumulating points, you unlock certain features in the game and outfits and stuff like that. Yeah, but I mean, as far as that goes, Mortal Kombat 10X, whatever the hell you want to call it, looks fantastic. And speaking of... Fantastic. Well, not really fantastic, but kind of weird, maybe strange. We're going to discuss we'll Doctor. See. We'll see. We're going to discuss, discuss some Doctor Strange casting rumors. Neil deGrasse Tyson put out a very interesting list uh, this past week, and we'll get to more on other nerd news topics. Nerd news coming up next right here on Down and Nerdy. All right, boys and girls, nerd and nerdettes, it's time to take the trip around the internet for a little thing that we like to call Nerd Nerd News! And Nick, we're going to start off with, it seems like we start off with Marvel every week, but that's because they have 1,600 things they need to cast. So now we're going to be talking about Doctor Strange, folks. Yeah, so Doctor Strange, it got their director and Scott Derrickson, and 
And with that comes the usual laundry list and rumors of this right. person or that person or to be this and guy. And you got to talk about it because it's interesting. Some of the names that just pop up, especially initially. Well, let's see. Jared Leto was the first one. Tom yeah. Hardy and Benedict Cumberbatch were pronounced around the same time. Mm-hmm. Joseph Gordon-Levitt was another one. And it's just like, wow. <laughs> well, for, for Jared Leto, I mean, my first reaction to that was, okay, I could see that maybe he's got a little bit of the look, but... It's it's not gonna happen. He he's not gritty Do- enough. Doctor Strange isn't one of Marvel's older characters. He's like the Reed Richards. He's gonna be in his. Well, I mean, it was Strange Tales number one ten, July nineteen sixty three. Yeah. That he debuted as a character. But I mean, so. even in, I mean, even in the look though too. You know, I mean, it's like he's got to be a kind of older guy. Um, and think about the origin of Doctor Strange, and he's kind of an arrogant guy. He's very egotistical, but he has kind of a tortured portion of his origin where he gets in the car accident and he's crippled and he can't be a surgeon anymore. Mm. And it's a very dark, deep origin. You have to be able to embody that. I think, and here's a guy, and he's already been casted for another Marvel project in Ant-Man, but here's a guy who I think would make a great Doctor Strange is Corey Stahl. I think Corey Stahl would be a, a really interesting choice because if you've seen House of Cards, the senator that he plays is has a very dark past dark life mm-hmm. so he's, he's in a very tragic ending to his life um, and it's just like he, he can play it and if you've seen okay can he be can he, can he chew up not chew up scenery but can he take the screen and if you've seen Midnight in Paris he plays Ernest Hemingway and he when he's on the screen you're just like I want more of him you know who wants to fight I mean you know and he, he has that 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 range it's one of the lines that he says and it's just like you know you see him and he has that like that don't mess with me kind of yeah. attitude in that movie so he's a great actor with phenomenal range I wish he wasn't cast for Ant-Man I wish I think he'd be if he was available for another project I think he would make a good Doctor Strange I think of the names that they've listed so far I think the one I like the most is Benedict Cumberbatch yeah. only because I think he could balance that egotistical side with the, like you said, let's fight kind of side as well. I think he could play both of those roles because that's the trick now with playing Doctor Strange. You have to kind of balance both of those roles. And this is, these are not the only roles they're going to have to cast, especially if they do the true origin. Yeah. They're going to have to cast the ancient one, mm-hmm. who's the one that ends up, at the end of the day, training Doctor Strange, you know, he rejects him at first because he's too egotistical, and then he decides to train him. And then, who's the villain going to be? And I'm thinking it's going to be Baron Mordo, who was another disciple of the Ancient One, but then tries to kill him, and that's kind of how Doctor yeah. Strange endears himself to the Ancient One. So those are two other roles that they're going to have to cast at some point. I think that Benedict Cumberbatch, out of the ones that are mentioned, I think is the best choice. And we're not saying that that's who we mm, want, but no. if that if you're giving me a choice of these names, then that's the that's one. What I want. And the reason why is, as much as I wasn't a big fan of Into Darkness, his portrayal of Khan was like, oh my it God. It was great. It was a great portrayal of Khan. Like you, well, I know your complaint was it was a shot-for-shot remake, but I mean... If you're going to do that, give me a guy that's going to bring this character to life. And he definitely accomplished that. Yeah, but I mean, overall, that, you know, and the, and the thing is, they haven't announced when it's going to be announced, when this movie's going to be released, but Marvel does have two dates. Um, one of them is July 8th, 2016, and May 5th, 2017. And I think it's going to be the July date only because this movie's been in development for so long. They actually had David Goyer was attached. To Doctor Strange in 1995. Wow! And then finally dropped out of it. And they had a script. He wrote a script. It was done. 
And he finally dropped out of it. I think it was in 2002 when it finally couldn't get moving. Right. So just think that this movie's been in development since at least the 90s. And I know they had a Doctor Strange TV series on CBS for a short little stretch. A couple stretch. animated movies. Yeah, and a couple animated movies. So they, I think at this point Marvel wants, just wants to get I this think, done. I think it's the first Iron Man movie when they're in the car and they're driving. I, th- I think it's Iron Man. Or it's, or it's a phase one Marvel movie, I know, where you're, they're driving past a house, and you look at the stained glass window, that's that Strange's stained glass mm-hmm. window mm-hmm. in his house, that they drive past, so a little bit of a, of I a think Easter it was. I, I think it was Iron Man. I think it was the I'm, first I'm Iron a, Man. I'm having a hard time remembering, too, but I think you're right. I think it was the first Iron Man. But, he, but when you look at Doctor Strange, and it's like, okay, you, know, you mentioned that, yeah, it's been in production for so long, but it's like, well, back then, even with Ant-Man, they were planning to be one-shots. They yeah. weren't planning yeah. to... to you know, or be one-offs. They weren't planning right. to be this whole MCU I'm not, universe. Yeah, I'm not saying I wished it happened back then. It's just, it's it's funny when you look back at what could have happened. And now it's finally, because, especially because of, you know, we were talking about the popularity of nerd culture and comic books and stuff starting to come to the forefront. It's amazing how, okay, this is finally going to happen. Like Federale said last week, and I've been saying before, we finally live in a time where we're going to get all these yeah, things. Yeah, where we're going to get this, and we're going to get that. And I mean, I, I it is cool and all, but then you get the Schumacher Batmans and the, the stuff that not but, so great. I think, but for every couple of good films, you're going to have a steaming pile of shit. But and not I mean, only that, but I mean, and it, that was a totally different take. And that was more of the a fun, campy kind of take. Yeah. And that's what they did back then, though. And that's not what's happening now. Nowadays, when something's bad, it's bad because it was written poorly. Yeah. It's not bad because it's totally outside of the canon. I do want to mention briefly, too, that uh, Vincent D'Onofrio cast as Kingpin for yep. Daredevil. Great choice. Love Vincent D'Onofrio. I think he's going to do a great job as Kingpin. I just think he needs to start eating Twinkies immediately. Well, I mean, there was a picture. I don't know if it was, like, Photoshopped. It must have been Photoshopped. But he, with him at the bald head, he looks like the Kingpin already. Yeah. So, I mean. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying he's got to be 400 pounds. Well, Michael Clark Duncan wasn't a fat dude when he he played the Kingpin. He was bulky, He was a bulky guy. But, you know, but, I mean, other than that, it's just those... When you have that kind of list of films you're going off of, it's like, okay, we're getting to that phase three where things have been in development for a long, long time. Let's see how they pan out. Well, speaking of lists and seeing how they pan out, now Neil deGrasse Tyson, who is responsible for Pluto not being a planet anymore, mm, which... Thanks a lot for that, <sighs> jerk. As much as I hate the Big Bang Theory, that just... That line about which tells him about him yes. getting rid of Pluto... Yes, well, you know I'm a great. fan, so... Yeah. But he came up with his, his top ten sci-fi films. Now, on that list are some films that, of course, are going to be on there. Like, They, they Are Still Still, 1951 version. Obviously. 2001 Space Odyssey. Is, you know, there's no particular order. They, they weren't numbered at all. There's no particular order. Um, Clan of the Apes, 1968. Terminator, of course, the first one. Of course, you got to have that. The Quiet Earth. Contact. Deep Impact. The Matrix. The Island. And here's kind of where I draw the line. I've always is the Watchmen. Yeah, Watchmen. Nah, I, I mean, understand why he chose it. I mean, I think he he said it was because the characters had complex personality profiles and all these different range of emotions. So I get what he's trying to say, but I no, I wouldn't have put Watchmen. I mean, I haven't seen the island, so I can't really comment on that. But the Matrix, yeah, the first Matrix, first Matrix was, was great, mind blowing. The second and third yeah. one, not so much. But the one thing reason why I have the problem with watching too is because of what he's named as a runner-up, which was Blade Runner. 
I would have put Blade Runner in there. I, mean, I don't see how you leave it off. I mean, it's just, especially for Watchmen, and, and I know there's a lot of Watchmen fans. Don't kill me for this, but if you're talking about top ten sci-fi movies, you're gonna put Watchmen ahead of Blade Runner. I'm no, I can't. Get I remember, I remember Cody and I was over at his house. This was weeks ago, um, and we were, I was at his house. He goes, "Hey, have you ever seen the Last Starfighter?" I said, no, what is that? And he goes, it's like a cheesy 1980s rubber suit movie. And we're just sitting there watching it. And I'm just like, wow, this is so terrible. But I, but it's funny. Be, it's ter- but it's terrible in a good way. You're going to laugh at me for this. I actually have the Last Starfighter comics. I have Last Starfighter. <laughs> I have Last Starfighter number one at home right now. That's awesome. It, that was one of the series. That, it was very short-lived. But I was one of the series that I collected because I, I loved Star Is it bagged Fire. and boarded, as I gotta say? Yes. Okay, that's, see that, folks? That's a, when Practice safe comic book reading, always bag and board your comics. That's right. But, I mean, you know, he's like, but he said, this, you know, the story was simultaneously deep and scary, but he, he but quote, I never wanted, to, I never warmed up to it the way so many lovers of the game, of the genre have. I mean, it was a cult following, no doubt. Oh, yeah, no and doubt. I think that it, it, it grows generationally with more people seeing the movie for the first time, but it was just so, I thought, I think that it was complex, and it, at the time, it was very much ahead of its time. Yeah. It was very visually striking, I thought, for the story that they were trying to tell. So I don't know how you don't put that on the list and you put some of these other... I mean, I understand why he went with Contact. Yeah. I understand that. Deep Impact, I kind of get because at least they got the science right. They were never going to put Armageddon in there. So, no. I mean, they got the science right with uh, with Deep Impact. But, I mean, was, were there any that weren't on the list that you thought, huh, I'm... You know, you weren't like gung-ho about it, but you were thinking, maybe I would have put this one on the um, list. Tron, instead. I think, was one of, would be one of the them. The original Tron? The original Tron. Okay. Original Tron, um... Yeah, I think that you look at that, and it's just the whole light cycles and the animations like that. Yeah, there wasn't really it was hokey and cheesy, but it it was really I think from a a, a technology standpoint, mm. um, you know, it, it really belongs somewhere on a list. I don't know about top ten, but I'd say maybe top fifteen. Well, you know me as a Star Wars fan, the first thing I thought of was where, where's Star Wars? Yeah. I mean, I realize that this is not like scientifically accurate, but it's friggin' sci-fi film, whereas Star Wars. But if you're talking about getting more into the sci-fi realm, one movie that I thought was kind of a sleeper, I'm not saying it should be top ten, but District 9. District, yeah. I thought, I mean, because you're basically, you know, the way that they bullied this alien community and then all of a sudden the main character whose name escapes me, you might remember better than I, I know. would. But, um, I, know, I, I know, I know. I see him in my head, but I don't remember his name. But uh, how he starts to become the alien, and all of a sudden now you're kind of understanding what they dealt with kind yeah. of thing. And then the whole trying to get the spaceship working again to, to go back to the, the mother planet or yeah. something. I thought I just thought that the way they told the story, and even the science involved in it, was really interesting. It kept me interested, and I think yeah. that's what makes a good sci-fi film and I can't necessarily say the no, same for sci- all of these no like sci-fi like like E.T. I'm surprised wasn't on there as well I am kind of surprised that E.T. wasn't on there maybe it was too much of a uh, like a family type movie and that's yeah. why he kind of shied away from it I thought like even a movie I think like just, just looking from this list it looked more kind of like I mean yeah you have movies like Day of the Earth Stood Still and Watchmen but I think that 
when you look at stuff like Deep Impact, you know, in Contact, and right? You understand why he chose because those. It's, it's things that are quote unquote possible or could happen, right? But but then you see stuff like Terminator and stuff like Planet of the Apes that he included. Oh my in there god, as well. yeah. So and I'm not saying there's another one that's there, another one that's on there. I'm not sure if you can call it sci-fi though. RoboCop? Could you consider RoboCop a sci-fi? Because I get yeah, kind of, kind of. I mean, if you can consider Terminator sci-fi, you'd have to consider RoboCop and yeah, movie, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying they're the same thing, but. Another movie I thought was kind of an interesting thing that might have been able to be included was Inception. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I know that that's kind of a out there example, but, I mean, that's kind of a wink and a nod to a sci-fi uh, type movie. And I was trying to think of ones that were uh, in modern times, too, that could have been included I mean, on the list. I mean, we're going down the list. I mean, you can add Close Encounters of the Third, of the third kind, kind. yeah. Aliens, you know... Um, uh, like I said, Star Wars and everything else, but when it comes comes down to it, um, it's just all these movies. You know, this is his decision what he wants to be. I have no problem with this list at all. No, I mean, I mean other I, than I really, other than the Watchmen, I think the Watchmen's the only one I think I would really yeah. And people I would like, go to bat and, with him. And over. People are like, well, why don't you like the Watchmen? It's like, well, it's, it's not that we didn't it's, like it's it. It's a long movie. It. It takes slow. It takes forever to get to the point. And there's so much blue penis I can see on a screen yeah, I, at, at a time. I, I, I was warned about that ahead of time. So <laughs> I was able to, you know, look away at the proper moments. And But, I mean, I get why you chose it, Neil, but I don't understand how you leave something like Star Wars, Blade Runner. Or even Eternal Sunshine and Spotless Mind. Yeah, which was a very another very interesting concept. And maybe those aren't exactly sci-fi, but I wouldn't consider... Planet of the Apes exactly sci-fi you're, either. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to pick fringe movies like that, then, you know, then I should be able to pick fringe movies too. Right. But, I, I mean, other than that, I mean, that's his list. Hey, it was a good list. A lot of good movies. A lot of these I've seen. Share, share yours too with us. Share, share your yours. List. What, on gotofacer.com slash downnerd, tell us what your top ten um, not just top ten. Just want, you want to put them in ranking order. Or give so us a few you thought should have been in there. Yeah, but James, now this, this next story is pretty... Can I say legendary? Yeah, that's a good way to put it. I thought the puns were my job. Well, I, I watch How I Met Your Mother, and and I'm kind of stuck with that. Wait for it. My... Wait for it. Legendary. <laughs> so, and speaking of legendary, of course, we all know legendary films. Well, this is something interesting. Usually it's the comics trying to get into the movies, and this time it's the other way around because legendary films has actually partnered up with Penguin Random House, and they're actually going to put out... A new line of comics starting in late 2014. Yeah, September 2014, A Town Called Dragon. It's going to be written by Judd Winnick and artist is going to be Jeff Shaw. And it's going to tell the story of the last dragon egg on Earth hatching in a modern American city, which is a very that interesting take. awesome. I cannot wait. I mean, if I could add that to my polls now, yeah. I would do that. Because to me, that was like when I, first, I told you this when I was telling you about the story. I said, this was like when I first found out about Winter World Mm -hmm. from IDW and what it was. When I heard what it was about, when I heard the idea, I'm like, I need this book now. I want to see this now. And I mean, I'm just thinking, I'm picturing in my head the art and what it would look like and set this dragon in modern times. And even growing up, because it don't pop out full grown. So now you've got a dragon growing up, like very Aragon-esque. But in modern times, yeah, that's going to be pretty cool. That's going to be pretty cool. As long as they don't do it like the TV show Surface, which was okay, but... See, and then later in 2014, you have uh, Epicalypse, uh, which arrives 
from the Gettysburg Address, a graphic adaptation writer Jonathan Hennessy and artist Shane Davis. He who he also he actually already teamed up with Legendary for Shadowwalk. Yeah. Um, and the book focuses on a team in the future battling against the collapse of a time of the time stream. Mm-hmm. So could that mean alternate universes? It very could well that could mean time travel, of course. Very interesting. Then finally, in 2015, we will get the Harvester mm-hmm. uh, from Brandon Cipher, who wrote The Witch Doctor and Eric Battle as well, uh, who, who's going to be doing the art, which mixes urban horror and action. Not a whole lot on the plot, but it's got. I'm, I don't it's know. It's kind of a nightmarish urban legend getting, type deal, is what they're yeah, trying to describe. Maybe it as. an attack the block kind of thing. When you think urban, you think maybe like something was something going on in the streets or something like that. As long as it's not zombies, I'm good. Yeah, I can do anything without zombies. I mean, we if we're oversaturated with anything nowadays, it's zombies. Yeah. Enough. Yeah. Enough with the zombies. I mean, I'm no, I know there's people that will disagree with us, but um, Legendaries all already kind of dipped their toe in the water with this, with their Godzilla Awakening uh, right. movie tie-in that they did. So it was almost like they, all right, well, let's see how this works out for us. And apparently it worked out well enough to where they're going to launch an arm. But, Nick, what do you think about... I mean, to me, when I read this, I was like, this is exactly what we were talking about a few episodes ago with the rise of nerd culture that now a movie studio wants to get into the print comic game. I think it's a studio looking at Marvel, looking at DC, and if you want to go like Dark Castle, um, and they're saying, well, this era area of movies is so oversaturated and it's profitable, but we want to kind of get like our own take on it. So we're going to make our own comics and kind of get what's out there. And these and get our own original ideas out there. And from the original ideas, I mean, I'm excited, you know, about these these books. Because the oh, yeah. plots in general grab your attention. You know, when you hear like Marvel, you look at Marvel. It's like Wolverine. Okay, Death Wolverine gets your attention. But when you get like some other things, you're like, eh, it doesn't really apply in general. Unless you're title. a fan of the character. Yeah. That's that's the thing with Marvel and DC, and, and we love a and lot of the characters. And that's why I think, is for me, as, as a regular comic book reader, when I see these new characters, these new books come into light now... It's like, oh, good! I have a break. I have that, you know, that that kind of. It's like when you yeah, have. It's like when you. It's like when you have a girlfriend or, or 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 ladies. If you have a boyfriend and you see them every day, and you're like, I can't. And you work at the same place or whatever, and you're like, oh, I can't get away from you. I need some time apart. That's what this is going to be. For time me. to find a new girlfriend or boyfriend too, if that's the way you feel. Yeah, uh, that's just. I'll put that out there. Very clingy. But. Um, I mean, you don't you don't want to well, you don't want to be with somebody you don't want to be with all the time. That's my point. No, I mean, but if you look at my bookshelf, I have on my bookshelf I have Marvel, 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 DC, Marvel, 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 Marvel comics. Right. Well, it's because you're more of a Marvel fan, though, so that's understandable. No, no, you you attach more to those characters than you do like, and that's what you grew up with. Like me, I grew up with more DC, so of course I'm going to gravitate to more of the DC characters. But it's nice to have that, and I was hoping Tomb Raider would be that for me, that nice yeah. break uh, from from the superhero realm or even The Wake or Winter World. Yeah. Winter World does that for me. You do need those side things where it's not superheroes all the time. Yeah. And believe me, I love it. By the way, I would never want it to go away. Since we're on topic of IDW, big shout out to our buddy Drew Moss, number four, The Crow, Pestilence. Great job with that. Great, Great job, job, Drew. 
Great job, Drew Moss over at IEW, friend of ours, good friend of ours, friend of the show. Nice guy. Go out, get it. It's amazing. And when the trade comes out, if you haven't already gotten issues before that, I'm sure there'll be a trade that comes out. If you want to just read the whole arc at once, make sure you get the Crow Pestilence trade. And uh, we'll have to get Drew to talk about yeah, this. Yeah, and I think he'd be willing to come on. Definitely. Really, really good guy. But speaking of things, and we talk about like Doctor Strange, it's been, you know, in production hell and Ant-Man there's a lot of people out there that have ideas James oh, and, they, and they but they can't either through Kickstarter they can't fund it because the Kickstarter doesn't work too well for them or whatever and they're like man my stuff's just going to sit here in this mm-hmm. file in my computer and it's never going to be able to get read right. or be played and but how that's changing by the way absolutely as a matter of fact there's the kickstarters are the way of the future right now and there's an aeon kickstarter i think that's how you say it aeon, aeon kickstarter brought to you by art hawk entertainment incorporated right and it's basically giving those smaller time artists and writers a chance to get their stuff out there i mean think about the way it is now i mean you kind of saw a glimpse of this if you watched comic book men yeah where the guys from the from uh, from the stash decided they wanted to do their own comic book. So, you know, they did the art, yep. they wrote a story, and they presented it to, I can't remember which publishing company it was, but, I mean, think about it. Those guys run freaking comic book, man. It's easy for them, easier for them to get a meeting. Could you imagine if you and I decided to start our own comic? You know, one of us did the art, probably me because you have one arm. <laughs> yes. One of us did the art, and the other one did the, did the story, and we wanted to pitch it. Because, yeah. let's say we came up with the best idea ever. But... We can't walk into DC's studios and be like, "Hey, so we've got this idea." Yeah, you gotta know a hey, guy. Hey, we're friends who, with Kevin Kevin Smith. Yeah, we got this idea uh, that we want to do. You gotta know a guy who knows a guy who knows a guy. But this Kickstarter, and basically, they said that they want to build worlds, which I thought was a great way to start off their little campaign. Yeah, and I mean, you know, it's called Aon. It's the Aon Kickstarter. It stands for Art Entertainment Online Network. And it's going to combine stories from you know both animation, comics, and games by creators from Disney, Time Warner, Sony, etc. You know, on any internet device for yeah, free. The list of these names that they've got attached that you were talking about. All these writers that, and that creators worked, from that have done yeah. this before. So there's credibility attached. But to this. And, and and one of the creators even said he goes, "What this means is if we approve your con- if you come to us with a concept." Mm. And we appro- we approve it. We approve it. Period. We will right. publish your game. We will distribute your film. Yeah, it's not just comics. No, it's animated animated films. It's animated TV series. Games. All and and, stuff. He, and the creator goes on to say, and if we mutually decide to give you a, a transmedia series, you not only get your own comic, but you also get your own cartoon, your own game, and your own movie distributed globally. Right, which is unbelievable. And we've talked about this before with. With mobile devices, especially with the with the indie gaming, yeah, look how big that is, and look how it's available on pretty much everything you can hold in your hand, yeah, and even on some of like Roku devices and uh, even the PS PS4s and Xbox Ones and stuff like that. This stuff can be available, especially the series. So if I can pick up my phone and I'm sitting in like the passenger seat stuck in traffic and somebody else is driving. And I don't and want you to wanna, talk to them. And you want to play your one-arm hand turkey drawing exactly. game. Exactly. So, I mean, you can do that kind of stuff. And what I like is is that not only are they doing this for the, I'm going to call them starving artists because that's, you know. That's, that's the term. That's the term. And writers. They're also doing this for us. Because I think that one of the things that we complained about, and we just complained about it like two minutes ago, was the original ideas. 
every now and then you just need a break yeah. from your regular stuff. I don't watch Batman movies all the time. I, and you know how much I love Batman. But every now and then I need to watch something different. I need to experience something different. And this will allow that to happen. And I think that that's the – and they're going to listen to the fans. They're actually going to bring us fans in on the process of actually – Looking at these projects, so it's almost like you get to peek behind the curtain of the development. But process. that's the thing too: is that there's this for it's, it's so much fanfare and this going into it. And like I said in the quote, it's it's pretty much, you know, once they back and greenlight you, they greenlight you like they're yep. behind you 100. Like percent You're not only going to get your stuff published, but you're going to get this, you're going to get that, you're going to get all that. Which if, if you go to a network, whatever, it's tough because it's year to year. It's contractual. It's year to year. Unless your ratings are up, you're not going to do it. But these people are like, hey, we're going to back you and give you every single possible open avenue we can give you for this. Not only that, but I mean, one of the parts as, as we read through this here is one of the things they mentioned was, you know, back in like 1975, you were picking up comics for a quarter. You could right. easily grab 10 books at a time and still go get food or go watch a movie. Nowadays, you're spending thousands of dollars a year on movies and yep. comics. I mean, you can't even go to the movies now for less than 50 bucks if you're with another person, it seems like. Yep. So, and and comics, the same thing. I mean, my I'm not going to say what I spend weekly on comics, but... Neither am I. I mean, it's... It's, it's, more, it's up there. It's more than you would expect to pay, especially from days past. So, these are books that are going to be available for free, people. But though, here's the problem, though, with this, and it's a great idea and everything, but, of course, it all comes down to funding. And as of last night, now the main pledge is a hundred thousand dollars to need right. to fund it. Only thirty-eight people have backed it, and the total dollar amount and donation amount is fifteen hundred dollars, just barely above that. And, and they, I, I, they have twenty days left to get that hundred grand. I think that part of the problem with that was is that they didn't really, they didn't. This is the first I'm hearing of it. Yeah, I'm and I'm I'm a little ashamed to admit that. But this is the first I'm hearing of and, it. Why uh, is that? Be, and well, because it was put on bleeding, bleeding, bleeding. Was it bleeding? Bleeding cool. cool yeah. Which yeah. is a great website, by the way. But they don't but have much the reach. On IG, but it's not much on IGN. It's right. much on Screw Attack. Right. About and it, that and those are the avenues that you know. I love bleeding cool, but you've got other sites that have a little bit more of reach. Just like I'm sure there's people that love our podcast, but we don't have the reach of an IGN yet. We hope to get there. Yeah. But you know, we don't have that kind of reach yet. This is something that needs, to, and this is one of the reasons we want to talk about this is this is something that needs to get out and if nothing else it gives you uh, a foot in the door if you were been looking for that foot in the see, door see and here's what I think that they should have done instead of going on Kickstarter and wanting this mass grandiose thing is start off like what we're doing and what a lot of people are doing you know, what Mike's doing with the, with the Comic Con start off local build your way up through there and get it building up to the point where okay we can mass produce it you know like spread it kind of like like a, a cell phone company, you right. know, start off in one area and then when you get so much revenue or so much things going, put another tower or something else and further it as you're going along. And it's funny because I was writing down pros and cons about this and the first one of the first things I wrote down was, okay, how wide are their distribution channels going to be? Because you can tell me that it's avail- it could be available on any device, but how is it going to be? And the thing I worry about with this now is just what we were just talking about. If you had a hard enough time getting word of your Kickstarter out there, how hard of a time are you actually going to have marketing and distributing these series and comics to the general public? Is Are you going to have just as hard of a time with that? And I realize, you know, you're trying as hard as you can and part of that budget is going to be for advertising and distribution. But, you know, it's one of those things where in, in theory it seems like a good idea and I just hope they can get 
the funding that they need for it. Yeah, but I mean, it, it, it all comes down to funding. It all comes down to who's your audience, who's your target audience, how far is this going to expand. Speaking of doing right by your audience or just presenting to your audience in general, stay right back, stay right here because next up we're going to break down E3. We're going to talk about all the big news from it and break down all of the big presentations from the major companies. Stay tuned. It's our big video game E3 episode. And you won't want to miss what's coming up next in our main topic. Stay tuned. More Down Nerdy coming up next. So E3, James, the Electronic Entertainment Expo, which kicks off in L.A. pretty much every year except for, for, it has been for over a decade pretty much. Right. Um, kicked off this past weekend. It's actually still going on now. I believe today's the last day or tomorrow's the last day I think for today, E3. we're recording this on Thursday. I think Thursday is the last day. I think Friday is more of like a wrap-up. Yeah, it's more like what we think. And pretty much this is where... Everybody, all the big hitters go. Oh, yeah. And this is where they say, this is our ideas. This is their San Diego Comic-Con. This is exactly, that's exactly what it is. It's the San Diego Comic-Con of the tech industry, pretty much. Especially in game, mostly in gaming. So let's start off with Microsoft. Now, last year, let's, let's start off with Microsoft last year. Last year, they announced the Xbox One. When people said, wait, didn't you already have a first Xbox? Yes, they did. But they want to be, say, you know what, screw it. We still recall ourselves the Xbox One. It still doesn't make sense. But... Then they said, oh, yeah, you have to get the connect with it, and it's going to be like $500. Oops. Oops. Oh, and you can't – it's not backwards compatible, and you have to be connected to the internet 24 – like at least pretty much 24 hours a day or at least one hour randomly so it can update itself. Oh, and it has a camera built in so it can see you in your own living room wherever you and are. so can everyone else. Yes. And you know, it was a big problem with the military because they're like, hey, we can't have all these strategies yeah, and playing. Exactly. So fast forward a year, and they bring out a couple, a lot, bunch of new, you know, coming back with a bunch of regular Microsoft titles. You have Crackdowns coming back, um, Fables is coming back, and also bring another a new Conquer game in. They're teaming up with, of course, Microsoft Spark, which is right. their own developer. Um, so bring a new Conquer game, and a lot of the big news, of course, was the biggest news is, at least for Microsoft, at least, is the Halo Chief Collection. Halo Master, Master Chief, Chief Collection. Collection. Yeah. And it contains all four games, and it's going to be for the Xbox One, but I'm just like, really? You're rehashing your stuff now. And it's like, you just couldn't... Yeah. It's like... Well, and, and my main flaw is like, wait a minute. You didn't want these things to be backwards compatible, so if I'm a fan of Microsoft, if I'm a fan of Halo... I'm saying, go fuck yourself, Microsoft, because you parents want me to go and spend even more money on games that I already have or had to trade in because I had to get your system. Well, and here's the deal. I think that that was the theme of Microsoft's uh, presentation was, here's all the stuff that we did before, so we're going to just do it again and give you the next version of the game. And as far as Halo goes, I mean, it was a big... I, I understand that, hey, they're putting all the old maps on their own dedicated server, so they're going to cut down on lag time and stuff like that. That's great. They really they made it such a huge point of, okay, you're going to be able to experience the entire Master Chief story with the new Halo game. You can play the old games, the Halo the series that's going to be coming out, yep, the yep. betas. So, I mean, they really wanted to go all in of, we are the main home for your Master Chief Halo story, the full story, which is fine if you're a huge Halo fan. I was never a big Halo guy. I Neither was I. That. I understand why people like it. I understand it's a big deal. But to me, Microsoft, this was supposed to be their, and we're going to say this a lot, I think, this was going to be their mic drop moment. 
That and it was also this was their chance to pull a Brian Singer and say we're sorry for the past X Men movies. Right. We're sorry for everything that would happen last year. Here right. we're making up for it. So it's like great. So you're gonna give me the old maps. They're gonna be available. I'm gonna be able to play all the stuff again because again you said it wasn't backwards compatible. That's great. But if you're not a huge Halo fan, if you're looking at the rest of what they are presenting, that's not gonna be available on other consoles. Like like I was looking at Crackdown. And I'm watching the trailer, and the graphics were okay. I realize it's different for a reason. Right. But to me, it was like, you're taking so long to get to the point here. Yeah. The whole point of a trailer is you got to keep me interested for two minutes. Yeah. And I'm sitting there, and I know what the payoff's going to be, pretty much. And I'm like, get to the friggin' point already. Come on. I mean, and I know people love Crackdown, but and the way they did the indie game. Yeah, I want to talk about that. They um, just threw it in there like it well, was just part of. Well, it. Well, here's what I mean, we'll get to Sony after in a second. Um, but out of their hour and a half long conference, 15 minutes was spent on indie games, and they didn't go. Here's like what Sony did. With here's this indie game. Here's yeah. this indie game. Let's bring up this. Indie it was developer. a basically five second mashup of like it was like a bunch of here's different this, games. and they just put all the logos up behind. Like here's all the indie games, and like I said, Sony went to after we talk about this next company. But quick wrap about Microsoft. Um, we're gonna get a new Rainbow Six game, Rainbow Six Siege, um, which is six years after the last Rainbow Six. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were supposed to have Rainbow Six Patriots, I believe, mm-hmm. but that got dropped. It was in development hell. Um, but for me, and I know for you, oh yeah, the biggest news was Rise of the Tomb Raider. Oh, I've been waiting so long for this to happen. <laughs> I actually replayed, and if you want, Facebook.com slash Down Nerdy. Um, last week, I posted a picture of me playing yep. Tomb Raider yep. and replaying it. And I'm like, it's so much fun the second time around because I'm rarely a person. James knows, you know this. I'm rarely a person where like, I get a game and I don't go and I don't search the maps. I don't find all the hidden treasures. Right. Tomb Raider, I is literally the first game where I'm like, I'm going to go back and find all the hidden treasures. Yep. Build up all, get all my weapons up to the max, whatever they can be, yep. top of the line. That, when I, when I watched it and I, and I watched the trailer... It's the graphics are so amazing. I'm like, wait a minute. I thought I was like watching an ad. Yeah. So I'm like, I, like okay, man. I had to yeah. refresh it, and yeah. then it was like, because the way it started, it starts off in a, in a two shot, pretty much. You got two mm-hmm. people in there, and it's pretty much it takes off immediately after the first game, where this, this psychologist is telling her, hey, your nightmares yeah. and the yeah. dreams are coming are leaving you now, and he's like, you know, pick up a hobby. And the entire time, she's like ice picking, and it looks like uh-huh. she's gonna be in the snow area, like maybe the Himalayan and area. That, and that, air, and that time on in the trailer where it looks like there's just like this hooking cliff. Yeah, and she just barely grabs on no, to the, the she, tip of it. Kind yeah, of thing. and she after she's hitting her pin like five times yeah. and stuff like that. So I mean, like it was amazing. And the graphics, I'm like, oh my god, she looks so amazing. Mm-hmm. And she goes, you know, maybe you know, and she says, you know. I was pretty much told that you know these things they turn us to who we need to be. And it's yeah, just, and we become shot, who we need to be. Yeah, and, or who we're supposed to be. And it's like it's a pulling away shot of her in this big, ginormous tomb, and then just rise the tomb raider. I'm like, Ooh. yeah. And what I kind of liked about it, and sometimes it frustrates me when they don't give me a lot in a trailer. But I think that this is actually one of those times where it worked, where <laughs> I don't want to know a lot right now. I want to know it when I play. Yeah. Don't give me too much. And they didn't. They didn't say where they were. Yep. They didn't say what she was doing. I'm okay with that. And I'm wondering now 
if this is going to tie in at all to the comics run that I started reading. So now that seeing that trailer actually mm-hmm. made me even more want to go find those issues that I haven't read yet and go, okay, wait a second, is this what I'm in store for? Well, remember though, remember how you said in the first issue it was like she was looking like in a dream with all these pictures of people that were dead or bad and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And what's the first thing the psychologist says? All these dreams and are these nightmares are, are, are they coming back or they're or they're uh, they're fading away. Yeah. And and it's like, oh my god, wait yeah. congrats like like holy Jesus, this is like if this if this is how it's going, then it's like definitely you def it's a smart, smart move. Not to mention, I think that because we we mentioned that the Tomb Raider uh, feature film was gonna be in development too, and I, and it just kid it gives you where they're gonna go with even that. So I'm just excited about all things Tomb Raider, but I think we both really got excited about what Sony brought to the table. Oh, sweet baby Jesus on the popsicle They were stick. the winner. I think it wasn't even a, it wasn't even a contest. It wasn't they, even close. They, when you probably talk about mic drop, they uncharted four. Biggest mic drop of the expo. And to me, they dropped the mic so many times that they needed to keep picking it up to <laughs> drop it again. It was just one right after the other. Well, after the yeah, other. Yeah, and one thing about you want to compare Sony and Microsoft. Sony mentioned PS3. They mentioned PS3, and they said, "Hey, this game's gonna be unavailable on old." Yeah. Past gen. By the way, our past gen system still exists. Yeah. By the way, and thank you. Thing, Microsoft never mentioned 360 once in their in their I presentation. Wouldn't, I wouldn't either. But I mean, no, you know, they showed, of course, the trailer for it, Mortal Kombat X, which we talked about earlier. They showed a brand new game page play trailer for Batman: Arkham Knight. Oh my God, the new Scarecrow. Yeah, oh I thought that was Hush gosh. for a second. And then the Batmobile being a friggin' tank. Yep. And you're shooting like friggin' missiles out of it. Yeah. I'm down for that. And they introduced what I think was probably the smartest thing. Um, you know, PlayStation Now is going to launch July 31st, mm-hmm. and pretty much what it does is they pretty much came out and said, "You don't need a Sony console for this. Yeah, all you need is a, a controller because with your Sony with TV, your, with your Sony TV, because yeah. through your Sony TV, you can go through the PlayStation Now and play games through the PlayStation Network, pretty which much. is brilliant. Use your existing your your electronics company. Use your existing tech and pair it with your other devices that you already have, yep. which is a brilliant thing to do. And they also showed the uh, the white Destiny PlayStation 4 bundle was going to come out. Yep. I'll probably, I'm, probably, I'm not going to lie. Destiny, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm probably going to get that bundle when it comes mm-hmm. out. Uh, I'll save my money, of course. But You're going to need to. <laughs> I'm going to need to. Um, but games, just lots of indie games. A ton of a games ton. in general. I mean, they the first indie game they showed was one that was uh, called Entwined. It was made by the students and people over at Carnegie University, Carnegie Mellon University, mm-hmm. which was great. You know, I had Romeo and Juliet kind of like thing where you're yep. flying, telling these polygon-esque things. Um, they, the moment, I think, which really, for me, said Sony knows what they're doing, and not only that, but they, they really do you know speak to their fans is when they brought that one that indie gamer for the head of Hello Games and he's the head of the Hello Games indie gaming company yep. and on his face he hesitates but for that moment you look in his face and you know he wants to cry yeah, because, because he's standing there in one of the biggest reveals ever mm-hmm. well not exactly at the biggest expo for what yeah, his craft is he's standing is. shoulder to shoulder with one of the biggest companies in not just the gaming industry but in the electronics industry in general and this is an indie gamer that would be like if you and I were standing on stage with Kevin Smith at one of his big Q&A things yeah. something like that it would be one of those big moments because of his podcast and everything else that he's got going on. So to be there and just 
Sony just gave these indie gamers the spotlight that they deserve. Oh, yeah. Finally. They spent probably about half hour, almost an hour, I would say at least 40 minutes talking about indie games. Because I think Sony understands that people, this not only gives you different content for your system, but people are, you're fans, and you've got fans creating games, and they'll be lifelong PlayStation fans because you gave them the opportunity to put their product out there. See, you know, the thing is, people ask me, like, why are you... I tell them I used to have a 360 and I went to PlayStation 3. And, I, and when PS3 first came out, I bashed it. Because it was more of me not knowing what it was all about and the specs. And I thought I was... And that uh, happens. It was the thing. I thought I knew I didn't. And... Um, but I look at people like, why did you go from Microsoft to Sony? And I'm saying... You know, I've... Since Xbox One, I've had both consoles. I've had the Xbox... I've had the first Xbox, I had PS2, I've had 360, and I had PS3. And I said, the reason why I'm going with PS3 is because the Blu-ray's implemented in it already. That was a big one for me. Um, I go, I go the, the game selection, Sony has a much bigger gaming library. Yep. Even with now, with between the Xbox Games One and the PS4. Games that I actually care about. Between the Xbox One and PS4, Sony has a bigger gaming library. Mm. They're innovative. And I go, also, I go, I don't play a lot of indie games, but I go... They you get just, the option. You get the option, but no, I, said, I, I just go, Sony has this... To put their arms around the little guy. Like they're they embracing really the little guy. They really did. And I go, and that's what reached me the most. And that's why I pretty much gave Microsoft the finger and said, I'm not buying any more of your products. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not buying any more Xboxes or anything like that. I'm going with Sony because Sony, when, you, when Microsoft says we care about the customers and Sony says we care about the customers, that who cares. Most. I mean, have you did you notice that Microsoft never even, on that same day Microsoft presented, was the same release day that the Kinectless Xbox One was released, yep. and then no mention of it whatsoever. Exactly. It's because they want people to go out and spend the extra hundred and exactly. get that, that stupid Kinect, which exactly. nobody wants. And you, know, I want to break against the wall. And it just seems like Sony was giving the consumer more of what they wanted. I mean, look at the list of games that they showed footage for. Little Big Planet Three. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of, but I know people are. The new game Bloodborne. That looks amazing. Battlefield Hardline. They even talked about a Ratchet and Clank. HD remake that they're and gonna do. and the order eighteen eighty six which looks that great is a too. very cool concept that they've got going on that the whole it's an alternate uh, version of London in the eighteen hundreds yeah and one of the best things that you hear is the fans cheering when they said Grim Fandango is going to be yep. remastered yep. and I went I went ape shit in my apartment and we all knew the Last of Us was going to be remastered and of course I think you mentioned they're launching PlayStation TV and then. With that announcement came, guess what? We're going to have our own series, too. They're going to have a series called Powers, Powers. that they're going to start. So they're going to start with one yep. and see how it goes. And they had John Michael Bendis come out and yeah, talk exactly. about it. And he said, this is what we're doing and everything like that. And they're like, oh, it's pretty cool. Really good, con- awesome concept. Now, I mean, when you look at Sony, look at Microsoft, like, okay, those are two big hitters. And you look at, at, at what Sony did right. Sony did a lot of things right. And you say, well, a lot of these games are going to be multi-platform. You know what I mean? I'm just not saying, like, that's true. But it's just that Sony, you know, Microsoft showed 20 games, Sony showed 19. But Sony did more with the little, with the one less game that they did, and they said, hey, this is our tech, this is what we got. And you would think, Microsoft being a freaking tech company yep. would be like, hey, we got this stuff in development too. Where, hey, we don't have Microsoft TVs, but hey, maybe you have like a computer or whatever, you can connect and play your games to your computer if you want, or stuff like that, mm-hmm. you know, if you, have, if you have a Microsoft PC. Well, to me... Sony got the two biggest gets in their presentation. They had Mortal Kombat X. Batman. And they had Batman. And don't forget the Uncharted 4. That was the big thing. And Uncharted 4, yeah. So they had they had big three. Now, obviously, Tomb Raider would be right up there in the probably the top two for me. So I'm not saying that Microsoft didn't have any, but 
Stack them against each other. Yeah, now, before we get to this last develop, well, this last video game company, which is Nintendo, I want to talk about Ubisoft and what they did. Now, they had some good moments. Ubisoft, the opening when they showed the whole Far Cry 4, in the opening stuff, mm-hmm. that was amazing! I'm going to be totally honest right now in that I have not played Far Cry before, but I watched the trailer. Yeah. And as I'm watching it, it was intense, first of all. Yeah. Second of all, I, I, when I saw it, I was like, this makes me want to now go back and play Far Cry to find out what I missed because I'm th- this is a pretty cool. This looks like a pretty cool game. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 the story mode looks great. They had a lot of things. Sony showed some Far Cry stuff too. Yep. Um, and it had the whole rock climb grappling thing. It was really, really mm-hmm. intense. Really for good first person. You can weaponize elephants in this game, which is awesome. It's great. Um, you know, the IPs, the other IPs they showed was Assassin's Creed Unity. And um, the big thing there was the was the co-op, the uh, four-player co-op yeah. that they're going to be doing with the assassins. And just as kind of like a sidebar, and one of our listeners, uh, Zana, brought this up, yeah. how they're not going to have any female assassins available. And basically they said, you know, it was too much time and too much effort. And it's kind of lame, but at the same time I understand where they're coming from. Right. I think that... Maybe a DLC. That's what I'm thinking. They're going with a DLC. Or something like that. You know, they want to make you buy extra content because, you know, money makes the world go round. Yep. So am I totally upset about that? Not really because I don't want the game delayed either. Yeah. Because of that. But, I mean, I think that that's a good DLC that they can do. We'll move on from that. Um, but, I mean, they did the crew. It showed the crew, which is a pretty interesting game because, like, they're like, yeah. You know how, like, in, in when you drive somewhere... It, it, it's like, oh, 20 minutes I can drive from New York to L.A. No. Yeah. If it takes, like, X amount of hours to get from New York to L.A., it's going to take that X amount of hours. Mm-hmm. Like, they map for map everything, to, like, the streets and everything, to get... So, I, like, I want to start in my hometown, Syracuse, New York. I want to end in L.A. where I used to live. I love that. I wish I could move back there so much. Um, I love L.A. Uh, and I'm like, okay, how much does that also take, like, five days? Okay, so I drive, you drive through the states and you get your crew, your friends. You can drive state to state to state and stuff like that. Right, which is interesting. The trailer didn't really grab me. I understood what they were doing. Right. It just didn't grab me. I think it was just because I'd seen so many intense, involved ones. They're like, okay, so we're driving. Yeah. We're driving. We're driving. And the scenery looked great. The graphics yeah. were fantastic. It just didn't grab me like some and of the others did. Like, it, like Tom Clancy's The Division. Yep. That to me, and I'm gonna that that was the most intense of all the trailers. When it starts out with the with the mother trying to comfort the child, uh-huh. and you could tell the child kind of is is dying. Oh yeah, and they did, and they did it all through um, not showing really showing anybody, but they did it all right. through forward motion. And then the, and then the dad saying, "I'm sorry, I couldn't save him. I couldn't save him." And he shoots. I'm like, see blood splatter. I'm tearing up here listening to that, yeah. you know, because I'm about to be a dad and. That got me. And then when they go out to the street, and it looks like this guy's this guy's toast. Yeah. Because these these guys are out there with guns, and then somebody just reaches out their hand and pulls them up, and it's like, all right, we got your back. And then from behind them, this other crew comes in, and it's like, all right, it's, it's, it's on. It's, now. Like, it's like road war. It's like yeah, road war. It's, it, yeah, road war. It's what it yeah. is. Or, or it's like the warriors meets post-apocalyptic. Yeah. Like, like a post-apocalyptic warriors is what it is. Yes, it was just it, to me now, that was the most intense of all. And of them. Valiant Hearts, the Great War, which mm-hmm. not much you don't won't know what's going on, but it's kind of maybe we saw like these letters and stuff like that. Certain things you'd be reliving. Mm-hmm. Now the one con I had, and I love this woman with you know I think she's oh. funny. I think you know I love Ron Archer. Aisha Tyler, I think, 
I mean, she's done with Ubisoft a lot. She's she's worked with them and promoted stuff for them a lot for E3 throughout the years. But she was just, I think, the biggest weak point. I'm I, not a fan of hers. No, and I don't know if I'm the not. jokes were her own. They felt a little bit scripted. I think she even made a point, like I, you know, stuff they they, they wrote for her. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like they're really cringeworthy. So I'm not gonna put all the blame on her. But I'm like, when I felt that when she was on stage, I'm like, I don't care. Let's just get these developers on, talk about your movie, your, your game, and right. get off. That's right. all I, I don't want. You know, I, I think that's not just with her, but it's with a lot of celebrity people who say we want to introduce this. It's like that's how it, it breaks up the fluidity when you have people like Sony saying, "Okay, here's the developer for this." He comes out on stage. Right. Here's the the president CEO of this. They come out on stage. Give me the guy that matters or yeah. the woman that matters that that actually is going to be able to give me something that I don't know about this, not just read from a script. Yeah. And I no, I won't put all the blame on her on that either. But I've, I've never been a huge fan of her, so to me that was like a who cares. Like I said, I love her I loved her and I'm not a big fan of her comedy but I'm a but I do love her and Archer I think she's fantastic in that but I mean now speaking of cons god damn there's a lot with Nintendo then instead of a mic drop it was a ball drop it was just Nintendo. I, I saw, not in a good way I think I actually saw a white flag yeah during that presentation I swear to you as I sit here right now and as a lifelong Nintendo fan it's. I swear, it's like they gave up. They conceded. It they was gave a, up. It, it was at that moment. Now here's the thing: Microsoft ran about you know an hour and a half. Sony was about almost two hours. Ubisoft about a little over an hour. Nintendo had the shortest. Um, well, it's easy to have the shortest when you've got nothing to say. Yeah, they had the shortest event, and that ran 48 minutes. And it wasn't even a live thing. It was, it was a video digital thing. event. And it's like, you know, and I and I texted. James is. I texted you this. I said, dude, I go, I'm watching this Nintendo thing, and I, I, I missed the first half hour of it because, you know, it, I did have the day off, so I wanted mm-hmm. to sleep, and I'm like, as long as you ignore the alarm, I'm like, oh god, I gotta wake up and watch this. Yeah. But I caught it, I'm like, okay, I didn't really feel like I missed anything, and um, they're actually right in the middle of doing uh, Yoshi's Woolly World, right. and I'm like, okay, I didn't really miss anything, and I told texted you, and I said, Dude, I feel like I'm sitting in high school again watching an educational video. I'm, it's On the boring. old reel to reel. No, it's just boring, you know? Mm. And it's like, it's not nothing. I mean, it's like some titles did interest me, like Splatoon, the ink shooting game interested me. Um, you know, Smash Bros., of course. And, you know, Yoshi's Woolly World interested me. Um, but then there were some games where I was like, really? Like, 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 the, like I mean, to bring out there, like Amiibo. That's a that, ripoff of Skylanders and, and Disney Infinity. It's yeah. a, a complete and utter ripoff, basically. And I don't want to put a friggin' uh, character on my controller. Yeah. I have a hard enough time getting the figures to stay look on cool. there as it is. Oh, yeah, they look fantastic. I would stick those on my little entertainment center or something. Yeah. But I don't want it on my controller, and I don't need I don't need one more thing to have to do. And it just you want to talk about them conceding? It was just like Smash Brothers being delayed. That was their big one. Yeah, and it's not even coming out on time. And it, and the two and the other thing they said was it might not even come out at the same time for Wii U and 3DS. Yeah, how how do you make that happen? How does that even happen? I mean, you know, you're talking about like I said, like what's going on? And like I told about Splatoon, but here's the problem with Splatoon. Is you have all these different ink colors you can choose from the shoes. So like, yeah. like I said, I, I think I, I think I'm not trying to toot my own horn here, but I think I nailed it perfectly when I said, um, I go, it's like capture the flag, except the flag is the entire map. It's very similar. And yeah. I go, but you look at the character models; they're the exact same character models for every color. Yeah. So I was like, 
oh, maybe I do want to be like a teal or an orange. Yeah. But I have the same exact characters as if I was blue or red. It wouldn't make sense. Now, if they're going to use the me, the, the me characters that you create on your Wii, then that's a different story. Yeah. I mean, if you want to use your own me character, that would be that would be fun because it's like you out there doing it. Yeah. And I think that's what Nintendo really went for was was the fun factor. And I think to me... The biggest there were there were two big things that interested me with this, and the first thing was the Mario Maker. Just because I grew up on Mario, I love Mario. If you tell me I can make my own Mario levels and my own Mario worlds, put anything I want in it, and switch between versions of Mario building these worlds, I'm all for that. I am down for that. I would be excited. I would spend hours. Remember we talked about the WWE game? Yeah. yeah. Where you when you first got it, you didn't even play. Just you created. spent an, like an entire day creating characters. I would spend hours just creating worlds, and not to mention, think about it. I go to bed, I wake up, and there's a thousand new created Mario worlds that I could play. Right. I'll never need to buy another Mario game again, ever. Right. So that was a good thing. Legend of Zelda was another one that. They they brought back the open world concept right, which to is Zelda. What they needed to do, but the only thing is with the art, like when you saw the backdrop and like that, and everything, like okay, cool, the world looks amazing. Yeah. But then you see that, like okay, they're going for that more pastel looking art. Yeah. And I'm what, like, once nah. you started, once you started moving in the trailer, once they actually started yeah. getting gameplay going, it was very. You're right. It was very pastel-y. and uh, there's nothing wrong with being cartoonish. But then the the gameplay itself has to look... It didn't look fluid to me. Yeah. Like I kind of hoped it would. So, I mean, it still looked good. I'm glad that they're... But they're going to the, they're going to the same wells too much. Like Star Fox, they're going to do again, which I don't understand. They've got the new Kirby game that's going to be coming out, which again has a cute factor. And speaking of which... Oh, God. And, and this goes back to Mario. Uh, Captain Toad Treasure Tracker. Oh, God, yeah. Which... I'm not gonna lie. For the cute factor alone, looked kind of fun. Yeah. And there's actual boss fights in there, and they've got like these secondary Mario baddies in there from like Super Mario Two. Yeah. So for nostalgia purposes, I could see like I'm gonna have like my wife and I are having a baby, so it'll be a little bit of time before he's gonna be into video games. But that's something I could see sitting down with my son, uh-huh. who's just learning how to play video games, and him having fun with something like that. So, but here's the thing, Nintendo, if that's who you want to be, then it makes me sad, but that's fine. But I really think, and you and I have talked about this, they own the handheld market. They do, and I, you know, I'll say this about Nintendo, when you were talking about conceding and waving the white flag, Wii U cost them a lot of money, they lost millions or billions. They're continuing to lose money. they're they're, They're bleeding money right now. Um, and I think that's one of the main, you know, when Reggie Filzame, the president of Nintendo North America, um, he, he, he was like, you know, they asked him and they said, you know, why did you do this? Why did you do a video event instead of a live event? He's like, well, we want to give fans something different. And it's like, really? You that's not just, different though. You can just dim the lights and say, okay, here's this game or here's yeah. that or here's this person. It's like, no, you did it because you were bleeding money. And you don't want to get booed on stage. Exactly. No, <laughs> seriously. Like, like that's the that's the serious part of it. It's like you 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 know maybe not booed, but just like you don't want crickets. Crickets. That's what it would have been for a lot of these and, things. I mean, you know, in the handheld market, I I even told I t- told just James the day that they did the presentation. I said I would have no problem with Nintendo, and I know I'm probably get flack for this, 
with Nintendo conceding and saying, you know what, Sony, you know what, Microsoft, have the home console market. We'll just stick to our hand sales because we can kick your ass in that. Because Microsoft doesn't have one. And, and Sony's isn't Sony's, that great. You're, God bless you, Sony. You're trying. You're not getting it. But a lot of those games you wouldn't want to play on a handheld anyway. But Whereas with these Nintendo games, I would sit down with a 3DS yeah. and play Mario Maker like that. It wouldn't even be a question to my mind. I don't want to play Rise of Tomb Raider on Vita. I want to play it on my friggin' 50-inch flat-screen TV where yeah. I can really appreciate what I'm looking at. Yeah. Well, yeah, in more ways than one. Well, there's that. <laughs> so I, it just makes me sad for Nintendo. But there are a few other games that I wanted to touch on that weren't really part of big presentations per se, but they're right. kind of popular titles right. that were also announced. Like the Borderlands, they called it the pre-sequel. Yeah. So they're going to fill the gap between Borderlands 1 and Borderlands 2. It's just a, it's, It looks like a fun first-person shooter. And I know there's a lot of Borderlands fans, and... One of the things that I thought was interesting about this game when I was looking at it is it, it takes place on the moon base, which if you play Borderlands, you'll know exactly uh, what that is. And the, the challenge here is that the game is going to be played in low gravity or zero gravity. Yeah. So you have to not only do your first-person shooter and, you, you know, there's going to be a lot of cool weapons, you know, a lot of different lasers and cryo weapons that they're introducing into this game, mm-hmm. but you've got to fight the baddies in zero or low gravity and you've got like when you're jumping you're not just jumping a couple feet you're jumping hundreds of feet at a time Mm -hmm. so it's not just a regular gameplay map now you have to not only do the right things but you have to be able to manage it in zero or low gravity so I thought that was really neat yeah one of the games that actually caught my attention I mean just from the trailer uh, you know, I'm not a big zombie fan. We said it a lot of times we're kind of sick of zombies, but the zombie was Zombie Island Two trailer was pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. It's a guy running and he's doing for a jog, and everybody else is like turning to zombies or being attacked by zombies, and he's slowly turning into a zombie. Which yep. I thought, and I thought like, okay, cool. This is a game I would play a zombie game because it's like, okay, you're a guy, but you are also a zombie. Yep. So it's kind of like you need to have X amount of things before you turn into a zombie, mm-hmm. or you can turn into a zombie, and whatever. It's like that constant race against time kind of thing. I thought it would be a cool idea if the entire game was surrounded by him, you being a regular person, and like the last moment you realize the big twist is, oh my god, he's a zo- you're actually a zombie, and you're just infiltrated, like a double agent kind of a thing. That would that'd be, be interesting. Pre- that would be pretty interesting. I could see that, I could see that working. And, um, but, I mean, it's you know it's pretty interesting to see that. Uh, you know, a couple other games. You know, a lot of this, this thing which I like about this year's E3 is that it was all about the games. Or last year was all about the console yeah, wars and everything yeah. like that. And this year, but the game, the point problem this year with E3 is a lot of the games that were, were you know, like I think it was Witcher 3 and stuff like that. Yeah, there was a lot. There was a lot of them were pushed back. They were being pushed yeah, back and, next and, year. Yeah, but the gameplay footage from Witcher 3 did look did look good that they, that yeah. they ended up showing. Um, one of the ones that um, I saw that was Doom 4. Oh, my God, finally, yes. Finally got a trailer, and it was just kind of interesting the way they built it up. And the only thing you really saw was this giant monster that now looks like he's mechanized. Though. Yeah. So it's a partially mechanized monster. So it's almost like, okay, they were kind of teasing the whole trailer that, okay, they've gotten an upgrade. Yeah. So now you're not just dealing with the monsters, you're dealing with mechanized, possibly technology-oriented monsters. So that makes Doom 4 step up a little bit of a notch. And they also got into some mobile gaming, too. And one of the cool ones, being a Hitman, Agent 47 fan, they announced Hitman Sniper for tablets and smartphones. 
And they were showing some of the gameplay. That Square Enix did a great job, and it's basically Agent 47. He's on a balcony with this rifle, and there's your contract. You see your contract, and one of the things that they were saying is it's not just you killing your mark and getting right. points. It's the uniqueness of how you kill the mark. It's you know your accuracies of your shots, and that's how you build up points to compete against other players. Yeah, but I mean, overall, E three final thoughts. What was your take on? What was your what was one quickly one high point, one low point? The high point for me was Sony coming out and saying we own the indie gaming and we are the ones that are going to give you the best games on our console. These are the games we think are the big ones and these are the games that we're going to make sure we offer you the most stuff on. Low point? Low point, Nintendo. Nintendo flying the white flag, doing the digital event, which wasn't different. It was you hiding behind a dark corner and throwing us co- and throwing us copies of your games from around the corner to see which ones we're going to pick. My up. high point, and well, it's easy to say Sony. Yes, yeah, Sony had the best presentation, but I'm going to say the high point is going to be um, the fact that we are the games that I wanted to have. We're finally getting. I think it's kind of a mix of like all the different things when Ubisoft and them. You know, I'm glad that we're getting another Splinter or Rainbow Six. Um, that's my thing. I'm glad that we're getting all these games that like we've been waiting to get, like sequels to or whatever. Yeah. You know, Uncharted Four, um, Rainbow Six, uh, Tomb Raider. You know, we're getting all those. And my low point, while it is easy to pick Nintendo and say what are they doing, I'm going to go with Microsoft and say that my low point for them was the whole disbanding of you know the th- Xbox 360, the last gen, and not mentioning you know indie games as much as they did as much as they should have. Um, and finally, just in general, not letting people know, like, hey, we have this Connect list Xbox One, which you can get more sales to, to try to at least cut closer to PlayStation, but we're not going to do that. We're just going to say, here's our titles. We're not going to Brian Singer it and say, we're sorry for saying, hey, you need to spend 500 to get mm-hmm. this. Here's $400, you know, to make an even playing field. You know, and, and that's that was my 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 loss. So it's it's a win for Microsoft and, and Sony and such, and then it's a loss for Microsoft. I think the one thing that we can both agree on, and you touched on this a minute ago, is that the big win was for E3 itself, and that they were finally able to get back to focusing on the games yeah. and not the consoles themselves, because we got so much gaming information out of this, so many new trailers, so many things to look forward to. Now we can decide on picking our console by the games, not by the hardware. And last thing I'm going to say is if I go by games, I'd go with Sony only because they have a bigger library. They had a bigger library at launch. Um, so I would say Sony as well. i go Sony. But that's going to do it for this week's edition of Down and Nerdy. We hope you had a great time enjoying us. We know you do. We turn to hitting that play button and letting us into your homes or into your car or wherever you are or into your other country you say we're crossing we're crossing borders on this absolutely legally by the way um we are crossing borders um we are going to be again i can't pump this up enough we are going to be at Taiwan comic con october 18th look for us next to bob lee's uh fantasy escape comics and cards table we'll be right next to him with our booth and of course that's at the virginia beach convention center at the oceanfront in virginia beach if you're coming in from out of town you want to go to tidewater comic con you've got questions just ask us we'll let you know i've actually gotten some messages from some listeners saying hey they're actually going to come to our booth they're Come and again, we are very fan friendly. So at Comic Con, not only will we pose with you for our because we're gonna be cosplaying and stuff like that, but 
be on our show. We'll have a chair for you. We'll have a chair waiting for you because you know I'll be walking around the con and say, okay, let James and Cody take over this. James, I'm going to walk yeah, around. Yeah, we're actually going to take turns going through the con because we're fans too. Yeah. So we want to experience the con as well. So even if you see us just walking around the con, you can approach us. Hey, we'll take you to our table. Yeah. And, and so you can sit down and talk with us. So, you know, maybe it'll be Nick and I and, and times it'll be Nick and Cody or Cody and I. So yeah. you'll get, and then there'll be times where it's all three of us. You get the full experience. All three of us. And every time it's where, hey, it's me, James, and this other person. You know, it's you just, never this, know. This, other, this fan never or know. Cody and whoever. But, again, just come see us because, like I said, we can't pump this up enough. Let's spread the word. A lot of people are actually excited that we're going to be there. I've been getting a lot of congratulations. I need that brush up on my Spanish, apparently. Yeah, it's a big thing, dude. It's, <laughs> but, I mean, no, it's 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 a, it's a big honor that we're, we, we've been given. It's a big opportunity we've been given to to further our brand and further our down and nerdy nation and we thank you guys and we thank that. you guys seriously for the bottom of our hearts because you are the fans you are the guys that make and the men and women that make this possible um, for us to go and make you know more shows and come up with more ideas um, and next week James is going to be our cosplay episode yeah it's going to be a big cosplay episode we'll actually be talking to cosplayers we'll hear exactly what they have to say about the craft of cosplaying, we'll give you our thoughts on cosplays. You know, some of our favorite cosplayers, some of the do's and don'ts of cosplay. Yep. So break out those sewing machines because we're gonna have some great <laughs> tips for you next week. Yep. And with that being said, I'm Nick Pataglia. Follow me on Twitter at Nick Pataglia25. James. I'm at James Ace Witham, and of course, don't forget Facebook.com/slash Down and Nerdy at Down and Nerdy757 on Twitter. And if you have fan questions, want us to answer someone for you, send us your emails at downnerdypodcast at gmail.com. But for James, I'm Nick. We'll see you next week for our cosplay episode, Spectacular Excelsior, everybody.